Alright, human beings, what's up? I'm here, I'm tired, I'm beat up, palms all bloody, ripped my palm open today. But, uh, it's alright. It was an epic day. Me and, like, Billy Drown, Corey Goonan, Ramsey, Brandon Westgate, uh, Dan McGrath, Kareem, shooting photos, Kareem Goldman. Uh, we had a crazy day today, man. We went to Connecticut, drove two hours, got down there. Our homie Ricky, who shoots photos out there, showed us all the skate spots. Uh, a bunch of tricks went down. It was wild. And then we ended the day at this, like, reservoir spot. Right on this reservoir, this water, and the sky was, like, opened up. The, so many clouds. It was crazy. And Brandon was trying, uh, Westgate was trying this tray flip. It was a ditch, basically. So it's flat, and then it goes down. So downhill. And he's up on the wall off to the side, and it's literally the width of his board, like... And he's trying to ride on this ledge and tray flip off of it straight into the steep bank. And he battled this thing for, like, I don't even know how long, but he battled it. You could see his legs were getting weak, and he would come close again, and everyone would, like, cheer him on. And But, man, he stuck it out, and he fucking nailed it perfect. It was sick. It was a sick day, man. We had a couple moments like that with, like, everyone getting tricks, man. Uh, so yeah, that was today, that was awesome, and, uh, what else, oh, New England Am, October 3rd and 4th, coming up, man, just a reminder, a two-day event at Skater's Edge in Taunton, Massachusetts, we've added a best trick, we're gonna give out some cash, we've added, um, skate shop owner, slash VIP, slash personality contest, that's gonna be early on Sunday, so if you guys get down, that's gonna be real fun, and get all the dudes out there that have built the skateboard scene, that have, like, carried on tradition and just get them out there having fun and jam and more of a jam format we'll give out some cool stuff we got the 14 and under 15 and over we get the skate shop invite so all the skate shops rank three riders and they go for it this year's gonna be wild man it's gonna gonna be crazy oh yeah also uh periscope i've been messing with that live streaming which is pretty cool man so we're gonna live stream the new england am as well so it'll be real time you guys can leave comments i'll probably put ramsey on the phone for a little bit for periscope he'll be walking around asking like timmy knuth is gonna come out and judge and ramsey can go shoot the shit with them you guys can watch it along man if you follow me on twitter uh facebook instagram any of that at anthony shetler or all i need skate You'll see all the links and you can follow along, which is fucking rad. I just learned about Periscope, so I'm pretty hyped. Uh, what else do we got to talk about? Uh, second episode of AIN Life. That's going to be dropping soon. Sooner than later, we, we're going to release it one month from... Exactly one month from the first episode. So I think it's the 7th we're going to put it up on our website and release it on there. So... Pretty much anytime you want to check anything out, you can go to allineedskate.com or allineedapparel.com, whichever you prefer. It goes to the same site. So, uh, yeah, that's coming up, too. Uh, yeah, I mean, today's guest, what can I say, man? Packadotti. Uh, I rode for Fiber. It was my first sponsor. And Packadotti, I met him when I was skating for them. And he was skating for them. And he was the older dude, just killing it. So much style, grace, like... Just a nice dude with manners, real proper, like, solid human being all around, man. I'm super hyped that I got to meet Pat Gadotti. Um And this conversation was awesome. He's a skate rat, man. He's like 42, I think he said, and he's still full skate rat, just working a job and getting it in. We talk all about hand plants and life and just cool stuff, man. I love you guys. I'm hyped to share this with you. Peace. This is the Shetland Show. Whatever you do, you have one thing that's unique. You have the ability.
to make up. When things get tough, this is what you should do. Microphone check, one, two, one, two. Microphone check, one, two, one, two. I hope they get it, I'm sick of explaining history. I'm rolling with a circle of winners, we claim the victories. Yeah, come on. It's about to be the realest shit you ever heard. You're in a transitional world right now. Yeah, it's just basically going for it, you know. Sometimes you don't know, think about getting hurt or slamming, but you know, it happens. It's skateboarding, it's you know, it happens game, every day. Yeah. People are worried about skateboarding and the skate state of the industry. Yeah. The truth is, we are the industry. Yeah. Skateboarders are the industry. Experience, I guess, just because there's like, I've never seen like that many skaters in one place. Just like, it's like we take over the streets. It's like pretty decent out right now. It didn't rain. You know, I worked all day. My dogs are happy. It's good. Yourself? Yeah, you know, it's, um, I, I went out skating today myself. Um, I worked. I, I skated on my, uh, you, you probably caught my, my videos on Instagram. I skated on my lunch hour. Oh, yeah. Um, I was out skating last night, though, so I went out today, and it was super hot. So when I went out today after skating last night for, like, three hours trying to skate on my lunch hour today in the heat, it was just like, I think I took maybe like four or five runs, and then I was like, I think I'm going to go back to work right now. <laughs> yeah, like it's way too hot. Well, that, that that leads me to what I was going to ask you. First is, how old are you? Uh, I'll be 42 uh, end of this month. All right. So, second, second question is, when did you first land a hand plant? Oh, all right. That's a good one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny because I was actually just – I've been digging through old photos. Um because the first one that I ever did um, on a ramp was in my backyard when I was a kid. Sick. Um, and my mother, I actually made my mother come outside and take a picture of me doing them. <laughs> so it was like it was it was the funniest thing, you know. It was like, you know, I I knew it was going to be hit or miss. My mother, like, I, I'd made her take photos of me before, so it was like, you know, skate photos where like. You know, sometimes the board's in the shot, sometimes it's not, sometimes your head's in the shot, sometimes you're not, it's not, you know. So, um, but I just landed one, um, you know, after doing street plants for years, you know, like, we, we did street plants all the time. I don't know if that, that's, that's like, I don't know if that's like a part of skate culture that you're all that familiar with, like, no, in the I'm... 80s, it's like, yeah, mid-80s, it's like, we would stand, you know, we'd get street plant circles, everybody would get in a circle, and everybody would be doing, like, all kinds of different variations of ho-hos and everything, you know, so, like, I learned inverts by doing street plants first. So, what's a street, so, a street plant is a hand plant on the streets? Yeah, it was basically, like, um, you know, you could kind of skate into it a little bit, you know, like, you would skate and then stop, and then grab your board, and then you would kind of, like pop off like your back foot like up into oh into yeah. an invert you know so like i've seen so, mike v does that still too as well oh he's he's basically like you know in new jersey here you know um it, he was the one that like we would see him out and around every once in a while like you know because you could go there were places you could go in jersey where you knew where he skated with like dune and and um you know and a bunch of other guys so like you would see, we would see him do his street plants and he was kind of like and he still is really like the best street plant guy ever. Like, Dude, everything I've never seen anybody do street plants like him. Yeah, everything so, he does, he's mastered it for sure. Right. So you know, I, it started out like I, I really did learn how to like get the balance down, and everything, and, like put you know go upside down on one hand, like 
by doing street plants first. Well, then I got this shitty ramp in my yard. Um, you know, it was like, I mean, it was so bad. This ramp was like, it was about six feet tall. It was maybe eight feet wide, had no coping on it. Um, it had super like crazy steep transitions. It was kinked, just gnarly. And, um, so one day I'm out there on my ramp by myself and I'm like, you know, I got to learn to do inverts on a ramp. Like I've been doing street plants all this time. Like it's time to take it to the ramp. So there's no coping. No, no, no coping, (laughs) no coping. So, which actually like, I didn't realize then, you know, when I was a kid, I didn't know that that made it that much harder. You know, now I know like shit, there's no coping, like something to pop off of. It makes it a lot harder. When I was a kid, I was just like, I just wanted to do them. I didn't care. So, um, so I go out there. This has got to be like, I'm going to say it's probably 87. Um, so I'm about, yeah, 80, summer of 80, summer of 86 or 87. God, now I can't remember Shetler. Taking it fast, though. Sucks getting old, man. <laughs> I, I, was, I was probably 13, so I want to say summer of 86 then. Yeah. So I, 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 after like two hours of trying it, it's getting dark. The mosquitoes are starting to bite, you know, like, and I didn't have lights on my ramp. So I'm like, I got to fucking get this trick. Pressure so mounting. So eventually, I I did do one. I don't think my hand was on top. I think it was like just under, under the lip, you yeah. know. And I got one, and I was like, I was ecstatic. I didn't know what it looked like. I figured, <laughs> it, you know, it probably looked like shit. So I'm like, well, I want to see. So that's when I went inside. I grabbed my mom. I was like, Mom, Mom, you gotta come outside. Get the camera. Get the camera. So I made her come outside. She shot the photo. I've been trying to find this photo because the funny thing is, Shetler. That very first invert that I had her shoot, shoot a photo of on my ramp in the backyard, it looks exactly the same as how I do them right now. Wow. It's, it's the same style. Like, the way I hold my feet, the way my legs are positioned, like, the way I'm grabbing my board. Like, it's this fucking thing. Like, you know, and that's, like, you know, 30 years ago. And that's <laughs> so, so sick. I lost that photo. I can't find it. But that was the first one ever did that um i didn't learn them on a vert ramp though until um god it was probably like um i think it was like 18 so it was around like 90 91 i guess 92 damn have you yeah. ever have you ever actually two things one is my buddy jared pimento he, he's been on the podcast in the beginning he was trying hand plants on ramps like every ramp we'd go to he would try and try and yeah and, yeah, yeah. and uh he got one dude and i was like I mean, I've never even tried it, really. But now that you said street plants, I'm going to go fuck around with the street plants. Because I, I did a handstand on my board, like a hand, hand on the nose and tail and handstand. I didn't ride, but I just, like, did it and I held it for a little bit. So now I'm like, maybe I can go upside down. <laughs> um, my, question, my question is, do you, have you ever taken any injuries trying a hand plant? Like, have you fallen onto your shoulder or, like, anything sketchy? Um... Yeah, I I flipped over once because um, when you first like, you know, it's funny because like when you first get to the point where you get real guts with it and you want to start stalling them out, you want to like you want to like push up on your arm, straight arm it and like actually stand up there, you know? Yeah, I've it, seen your it, videos. I know you like you fully commit and go like I if I did it, I would do like a little bitch one just to get used <laughs> to it. That's how I started. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing. Like, you know, you can't – no one's ever going to start by going right into, like, a fully straight-armed, like, stalled-out invert. It doesn't yeah, work. Yeah, I would break my jaw. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, they, you know, like, 
like that first one that I did on my mini ramp, even though it looks the same style, like it definitely wasn't like I didn't stall it like and I wasn't like straight armed like I was in the ramp a little bit, you know, um, there, like you can see like um, if you look at somebody's like arm and hand that's planted like on the coping, like if it comes like straight off the top. Like, yeah. that's a fucking stalled out invert. You know what I mean? Like, if the arm comes, like, on an angle, like, out into the, the ramp a little bit, you know, or bowl or whatever you're skating, like, you know, then it might be stalled a little bit, but it's not going to be, like, like yeah. out over the deck stalled out. Those it's are, not, like, the gnarliest, the gnarliest it could be. Yeah. All right. Um, but that takes time. I mean, that that's just, like, doing them over and over again, you know, and wanting to do them like that, you know. But I have gotten hurt doing them. I flipped over one time, um, and that was when I was trying to get to that point where I was trying to figure out how I could get all the way up there and stall it out. Um, and then just recently, I got fucked up doing one at Chelsea Piers in New York. Um, what were you trying it on? Well, it's the Chelsea Piers bowl that's there. It's um, Oh, yeah. I think it's, like, 10, it's like 10 or 11 feet. It's probably 10 feet. Uh, it doesn't have a ton of vert on it, so it actually, like, even though it's pretty deep, like, same thing. Like, there's not a lot of vert, so you got to kind of muscle it up a little bit, you yeah. know? Um, so, like, I'm always lazy when I go there. I don't fucking put my knee pads on. I start – I get there, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'll put my pads on after I warm up, you know? And then – but, like, I always just start skating, and, like, I'm like, ah, forget it. Like, I feel good. I'm nice and loose. Like, I'm not going to stop to put my pads on. I'll just keep skating. So – you know, I'm skating, I'm having a good session. This is, like, around Memorial Day, I guess. And, um, fuck, I put up an invert, and, you know, it was just a regular invert. I wasn't doing, like, a tuck knee or anything crazy. And, like, when I went to come in, like, I had it. I, th I totally had it. It was normal. And all of a sudden, like, my board is going one way, and I'm going the other. Shit. And I went, and I went straight to my knee, my right knee, like, oh. on the flat. Like, so, you know, from, like kind of fucking concrete 10 feet up like when you come down like right to flat on on your knee like yeah great my knee was blown up you know and i was like what the fuck and everybody there was just like what happened you had it you totally had it and i was like <laughs> i have no idea so i even had that one somebody somebody shot a video of it and and i looked at the video and it was like i could kind of see watching it what happened but like it didn't make sense you know because it's like i've done so many of them that like when they're at that point like you just think like oh i got it like it's just it's there you know what i mean like when you do a trick and you know like you have it and then all of a sudden you don't have it and you fucking slam you know dude i've had um, that i've had that so many times i've gone into something super confident because i've done it a million times and i even in my head first try i'm like i'm doing this and my body does it but the board doesn't come but i i pretend like i do it the whole way and that's usually when i get really slammed yeah, you're like fully, fully committed fully committed yeah, yeah your board's like nah fuck you <laughs> right that's exactly what it was dude. my board fucking went away dude it was just like nah i got you know i'm on a mission i'm going this way and i was going the other way and it was just like straight to the knee i i posted a picture of the 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 injury because like it was the first time i think i really fucked up my knee that bad it was like one fall and it was like it was like brush burn over here, brush burn over there. Like then the whole like side of my like you know the front of my shin was all brush burn and it was all just from one fucking fault. Like dude, brutal. It was just I got messed up, man. So yeah, it it still happens. You know, it's like routine trick at this point. But like, you know how skating is. It's like it's a matter of of when, not if. It's it's gonna happen. You know. Yeah, it's, absolutely. Because I. I Every time I feel healthy, I'm like, I feel good, I feel good, but you know it's coming. <laughs> yeah, every once in a while, you gotta, you know, you're, you're gonna pay your dues, and like, even if it's on a routine trick, it's just, sometimes it happens. Yeah. So, but yeah, I, you know, the funny thing about that, though, is, Shetler, um, there, you know, I learned, I think, um, there was a guy, do you remember, 
did you know of a company? God, this is probably before your time too. Toxic Skates out of Maryland. I've heard of it, but I didn't. I don't know the history. But people that are older than me that I look up to know about it. Well, they had some rad guys on the team. Um, one of them was this guy Darren Mendito, who's a who was a pro vert guy who was uh, fucking amazing. How do you say his name? Darren Mendito. Darren Mendito. His Mendito. His his nickname is the Moose. Everybody Everybody knows him as the moose. Sick. That's a good nickname. Super good, dude. He's actually an emergency rock now. Um, it fucking, he skated for them so good. Uh, this guy, Bernie O'Dowd, who's from New Jersey, also a vert guy. Really good. Like, these are, like, legendary, like, gnarly vert guys. Fuck yeah. And then there was one, this other guy, um, his name is Brian, but his nickname was Bean. Yeah. And I was skating vert with him a lot at Bricktown Skate Park at the time when I was, like, 18. He's the one who showed me how to do inverts on vert. And he talked me through it, and, you know, I got to the point where, like, I could do them, like, you know, back-to-back, like, on the vert ramp, which Damn, was, like... that's sick. I never yeah. thought of trying that. That would be cool to be able to two in a row. Fuck. Oh, it felt, it felt amazing. It was, like, because, you know, in all honesty, like, that trick, seriously, when I first started skating, I skated, started skating in 84, and that was, like, when we picked up a magazine, you know, like, that was, like, the trick that was all over the max. Dude, I was two years old when you started skating. <laughs> <laughs> That's sick. <laughs> pretty crazy. I, I, you know, I, I was just, um, what was it, uh, last week or the week before? I was, I was, I just met. I was hanging out with, uh, with Darren Navarrete, right? Sick. And he started the same year, '84, and we were talking about that, and it was funny because like our frame of reference, like all the same shit that we grew up like paying attention to, and all the shit that we liked, it's all the same shit because it was just like, you know, in '84, '85, like. It was kind of like a limited, you know, amount of things that, like, you had access to in skating because we didn't have, you know, we didn't have internet. We barely had videos, you mm-hmm. know. It was just like – I think, like, it was probably a good – it was almost a year before I saw my first skate video. I was seeing nothing but pictures in Thrasher and Transworld and stuff like that. That's so it was like crazy. you would see these pictures. Like, I remember seeing an invert for the first time, and I was – fucking blown away i was like dude's upside down on one arm how the fuck did he how did he do that like what where, and and i was just, more importantly i was like what does he do after that like how does he land like like i, I was like do they flip over backwards like what the fuck <laughs> basing off the photo only you're just... yeah i had no like there was no way to tell so it wasn't until like i think it was maybe like almost a year later i saw my first video it was this video called skate visions it was the vision video it had gator in it and, and the whole soundtrack was uh, was Agent Orange. It was a fucking rad video. People people cite the Vision videos a lot on my podcast. Like um, you, like the older generation, the dudes that were like, yeah, that was the thing. These yeah. certain videos and certain people that uh, always get brought up on my podcast, and that's how I know like those are the people that invested in skating because all my favorite skaters love them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's well, so cool. <laughs> you know, it, it's it's funny because like you know skate visions is kind of like a it's like if you watch it now it's almost like comical it's like a yeah. funny video to watch like the way they did the video like they tried to make it look like it was like they staged like certain things you know like um you know the video follows gator and his crew around like they're acting like they're you know they're going skating at a, at a ramp and then like they're skating from the ramp to the beach and then from the beach to another ramp but they like have like these cheesy like scenes in between you know where they're less just like there's dialogue and it's like it's it's just really corny I love like, it though. I love it though, because it's like they're trying to be creative and different. I'm sure at that time, yeah, it was like, "What can you do? Like, let's try acting." <laughs> oh, it was it was so new, you know, which was kind of rad, you know. It was like everything was like, you know, you you're kind of like experiencing all that shit for the first time. So when I saw that video, like, that was the first time I saw like anybody do an invert or an air, like, and and I was like, 
oh, that's how a fucking foot plant is done. Like, oh, that's how a bonus is done, you know? Yeah. That's how they land an invert. So so cool uh, to see that. For sure. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, and then, God, like, after I learned inverts in, uh, in 91, 92, that skate park shut down. I didn't skate vert for a long time. I didn't – I probably didn't – there was a good stretch. I didn't even do inverts until – again, until – um till my late 30s damn yes why why um i wasn't skating vert and when i skated mini ramps like they're actually um there are a lot of work to do on mini ramps they're hard to do because yeah because it's so little transition huh you have to fully do a push-up so the only reason i started doing them again recently is because i really just you know my skating kind of changed you know and the things that i was interested in like um, changed in, in the last few years. And so like, I just hit a point where I was just like, you know what, there's, I want to do them again. And I have this ramp that I can skate on my lunch hour. So I was like, I'm just going to go for it. It was, the ramp is big enough. It's steep enough. I knew I could make it work. And I remembered there was like, you know, there were guys I skated with, um, back in the eighties at this skate park in Pennsylvania that did them. This guy, Jay Sigafoos, like he always did them. Like he would do inverts on a six foot mini and they were just like, they'd be the most amazing inverts and like he was doing them on a mini ramp and I figured, all right, you know, I've seen it before. I know it can be done. I want to do them now. I don't have a vert ramp to skate on my lunch hour. So just kind of figured out how to do it and made it work. And now it's funny. Cause like, um, I don't know. I can do them on a mini ramp and they look like I do them on a vert ramp. It's really strange. I don't know how people ask me like, how do you do it? I'm like, you know what? I don't fucking know. I just kept doing them and eventually <laughs> it got easy, you know? You're like I've obsessed over them every lunch. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Like it's rad though because like I'll be at work in the morning and I'll say like, you know, I'll think to myself, oh, you know, what do I want to learn on lunch today? You know, and I get all psyched up and it's usually like some kind of variation of like, you know, some old trick that I never learned when I was a kid, you know, and I never bothered to learn it. So, and then I go to, go to the ramp on lunch and try to learn it. Dude. Usually can, usually can bang it out, but sometimes it's, sometimes I go back to the office fucked up. <laughs> it's amazing that it's the fountain of youth though. Like you can get so, like you never, cause you can never stop learning on a skateboard. You could always learn something. There's so many different things. Um, jumping around a little bit. Sure. What are you doing for work? I work for the New Jersey Department of Health in the, um, the graphics department of the print shop for the for the department. No shit. So yeah, so it's a small shop. Um, you know, there's there's only about ten of us in there in the whole shop, and uh, and there's three of us in the in the graphics department, and um, and we service all of the department of health department of health for New Jersey. Dude, and so. and how do you? How, why is there a rent? It, the, um, you know, my office is in, is in, uh, downtown Trenton. Um, and so it's the way where Trenton is in New Jersey, it's, it's right on the Delaware river, right. And across the river is Pennsylvania. Um, so, you know, it's like a stone's throw. There's a, this little cookie cutter skate park that's right across the river. So if I jump in my car, you know, right at noon and cross the bridge and go to this park, I'm there in less than 10 minutes. So, when it went up, I guess, um, God, about six or seven years ago, maybe the park went up. It's a new, it's a pretty new park. I, you know, I, I remember thinking like, I bet you, you know, it was so close. I was like, I bet you I could go there on a lunch hour. I probably have enough time. So one day I tried it and sure enough, like, you know, a session of like 50 minutes, like when you're just going the whole time, it feels like a fucking, that's a session. You know what yeah. I mean? Like there's nobody ever there really. So I'm skating by myself. So I'm just going, 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 you know, whenever I want. Yeah, so, that's um, perfect. Yeah, when I found out about it, I just I tried it and it worked, and you know I've been doing it ever since. You know, 
you know what I what I've realized helps like uh, I do so much stuff I do like I do a lot of skateboarding but I do a lot of other stuff that doesn't involve skateboarding like I have my own skate brand so I have to like do stuff for that I have to ship stuff and emails and blah 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 I do the podcast so I talk a lot I've been planning this contest which you know I have meetings and emails and all this stuff and then I've been filming this uh AIN life which is like a reality webisode thing where I go do cool things with passionate people so all this stuff kind of takes me away from skating plus I work a full-time job I skate on my lunches as well which I like that you do that it's fucking (laughs) but what I've learned from like because when I was younger and when I was like sponsored and traveling I had so much time to skate so like what I'm learning now is like now that I'm more busy and I can't skate whenever I want when I do get a skate I, like, make the most of it now. I feel right. like I'm, like, enjoying it more, learning more or something because it's like it's like when you're at school and you're waiting for the fucking bell to ring so you can get out and go skate. It's like that anticipation, you know? Instead yeah. of just having it, when you can do it whenever, whenever, wherever, whatever time, it's like you tend to abuse it. Most people do, you know? Do you oh, for sure. And, you know, and, and in a way, you know, you kind of hit the nail on the head because when I was younger, I think there was a lot of time that I took, you know, I, I could have been skating and I didn't. I, I probably took it for granted, you know, and like yep. now, like, because I do exactly what you're saying, you know, like, it's like I get that time and I try to make the most of it. I, you know, people a lot of times ask me, they're like, how the fuck do you go out on a lunch hour and get like to skate by yourself? You know, and I'm like, you know, it was sometimes it is hard. Sometimes I'm thinking like, you know, I'm not sure if I really want to skate today. But like once I get there and I get going, I'm like. You know, I there's never a time I go back to the office and I say to myself, fuck, that sucked. I wish I never bothered to do that. You know, like I always feel like that was I'm glad I did that. Like, yeah, you know, because like, you know, I do think about that now. I think like shit all that time, like I could have been skating more when I was younger. And it's like now I got to like figure out how to do it, you know, like make the time and make the most of the time. So it's like, um yeah, I don't, I don't take it for granted now. If anything, it's like, you know, you get to my age, like you're in your 40s, you think like, well, is the, you know, is time running out? Like, how much do I have left? How much longer can I skate like this before, like, you know, I kind of have to just, like, accept that, like, my body's going to fail, you know, and, yeah. and there are certain things I just can't do anymore, you know? Like, like how much longer is my fucking shoulder going to hold out that I can even do inverts, you know? So I'm yeah. trying to take advantage of it now, you know? That's a real concern when you're doing a lot of implants, I'm sure, yeah. dude. <laughs> dude, I, you know, and I do have days where like shit hurts and I'm just like, you know, I push through it, you know, and, and, and try to make it work. But, uh, let's face it. I mean, you know, skating and eventually like there are certain, you know, it's, it's funny cause you know, you get older and I think you kind of have to like adjust your expectations as you get older. It's like, you know, there were things that I could do every sing- like tricks I could do every single time, like when I was younger and like, I wouldn't even think about it. And, you know, it might be like technique technicality that like made it difficult or it might have been something that was just scary like something about it that just you know when I was younger I could do it like it was like it was second nature and now like I have to fight for it or I just can't do it at all so you're constantly like you're either I don't want to say like losing stuff but you're kind of like letting it go you know yeah. as you get older and, and focusing on the stuff that like is you know within your you know realm of um possibility without getting too hurt you know because and you think about all those things you got to do responsibilities you have and you're like well do you know do i want to try to learn a 540 now at 41 it's like (laughs) do i you know do i want to possibly be out of taken out of my life for like six months on the slam you know it's like 
<laughs> yeah, when you're 18, you're like, you can take that slam and you're fine. But like, hey, my, my, my homie Charlie Thomas, who I had on the podcast, um, you know Charlie Thomas? He used to skate for H Street back in the day. Um, I, dude, I, I probably do. I know the name. I'm horrible with putting names and faces together, well, but I'm sure I do. Well, he learned 540s at... 38 at um woodward on the it had a resi ramp so it was yeah fucked. and he did it dude at 38 and i was like <laughs> the joy on his face when he was riding away on all of our faces it was so sick I was, oh i still have that dream shetler <laughs> i still think like and 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 yeah the that the woodward ramp is like one of the things that i think about i'm like i'll just go out there this year and like and i'll, and I'll give it a try and i've tried it a couple times on the the resi ramp at um the Woodward in you know the East Coast one Pennsylvania and uh, yeah and I've spun them you know I've spun them around and like gotten to the point where like you know my friends are like you should just put it down you should just put it down <laughs> but like I want to do like a legit one where it's like I'm not even using the resi where like I just go you know go for it and fucking land it and it's just you know it's like such a that you know it's funny how that trick is you know it's just like I've, it's such a mental. Yeah, it's a mind fuck that trick, you know. I can only imagine like I I've never even imagined trying to 540, maybe like fakie on a hip or something. But like on transition seems so. There's like a point where you're like, fuck, I'm either doing this, I'm either slamming or be, or not doing it, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, the first <laughs> yeah, I, I, the first times you try it, it's like it's there. There is there's one point in in mid spin where like your back is to the flat, you know, and your your head's kind of like up and you're just facing the sky and like you you can't see you lose sight of your, of, you know, of everything, like, and your landing. So, like, you kind of, like, you come around that point, and you're in such a vulnerable position. And, then, like, <laughs> and, and you know, you feel like you're almost like a cat where you just want to spring around so you can get back to, like, where you can see what's going on, you know? Yeah. But every single time you do it, it feels like that. It's, ne- it's not like it ever, I, I don't, you know, for me, like, the wh- however many times I did it that one weekend, like, it just was scary like that every single time. I never got to the point where I was just like, all right, now it makes sense. Like, it's not so scary. It was scary every time. And I was just like, I don't think that this one's ever really going to work, you know? So I don't know. I think I might I, I'm, I might have to, like, I still have the dream that one day I'm going to do one of those. But just I'm gonna have pat, to just pat the fuck up. Just pat the fuck up. So you're yeah. helmet, do the resi, get one on that, and then, you know, progress from there. I bet it could happen, dude. Um, All right, I want to track – go backtrack a little bit um your parents were they always psyched on you skateboarding safety wise and just like you going off and doing stuff on a skateboard um no not really (laughs) (laughs) you know it's funny because like the early days like i was pretty good at not getting hurt um but i did have like my mother you know right it's my skateboarding history like lines up it syncs up with right around the time when when my parents separated when i was a kid so when I was 10 years old, my parents separated. I went to live with my mom. It was an interesting situation because um, my mother moved into my her mother's house, my grandmother, who had just passed away at the same time. So she passed away and you guys moved into the house? And, and we moved into my grandmother's house, which was actually only one street over from the house I grew up in, wow. from our house. So it just so happens that my grandmother lived around the block. So. So I moved around the block into the house with my mother and, um, you know, and that's, that's when I started skating. And so, you know, my mother naturally, like, she's already kind of, you know, like she's going through some shit, you know, things are tough, you know, she's working things out and she's getting separated from, yeah. And she's trying to sort things out and here I am, I'm skating and like, and she, she's, you know, uh, you know, I have to say like my mother, like she was always, you know, I've, 
I have an older sister, but I have to say I was definitely my, my mother's favorite, you know, so <laughs> she, uh, you know, she didn't want me to get hurt, you know, and, and I, I know she worried, and there were probably a few times early on when, like, um, I scared her a little bit, but nothing too major, you know, like one time I fell, I was trying to do, like, I remember, like, you know, trying to do like a handstand on my board, like rolling, you know, like I think everybody tries that at one point or another. I haven't got there yet. I'm only stationary. So I put my hands like, you know, you grab like the nose and the tail and you try to do a handstand and roll. Like, What did you do wrong? So I know what to look for. Oh, fuck. It, all I, what I did wrong, Shetler, I hit a manhole when I was like in <laughs> mid handstand and stopped my board. Itself just went out from under me and I went right to my face. So it's like, yeah, fucking. Fuck, sorry for laughing. <laughs> no, it, it was. It probably looked hilarious. Like, my, my arms just, like, completely went behind me, and I went, like, face first, just, like, right into the into the street. Brutal. So, like, I had a huge, like, you know, my, my face is all brush burn on one side, and I was walking back into the house, and I'm, like, trying to hide it from my mom. I'm doing, like, the Ralph Macchio <laughs> Karate Kid, you know, where I'm like, hey, mom, how's it going? And I'm, like, She's like, open the fence. She's like, what'd you do to your face? What happened to your face? <laughs> oh, my God. You know, so, like, there were times when, like, little things, but, like, um... It wasn't until I was, uh, let's say, 14, I broke my arm. That was, like, the first, uh, you know, and, and and I think, like, my parents, like, they weren't, they definitely weren't that psyched on it. You know, they, there were times when, like, they didn't know what to make of it. You know, I was, like, I wanted to do crazy shit with my hair. I wore crazy clothes. It was, like, there's <laughs> well, a lot of fucking. Like, what? What did you do to your hair? Well, everybody had the squeed, right? You know, everybody, <laughs> everybody grew the, you know, the bangs really long and bleached yeah. them out, you know, and like we all listened to like crazy like punk music, and you know, so that was always coming out of my room, and you know, and it had like some like a lot of it had like crazy like like political messages and everything, and you like, know, what was just, some of the bands? Bad Religion. Oh, um, Fear, um, Circle Jerks, uh, Seven Seconds. Um, God, what else did I listen to a lot? I listened to a lot of Misfits back then. So it's like fast-paced punk. Descendants. Yeah. It was Black Flag, even. A lot, a lot of that shit was just like, you know, that's what, you know, that was my introduction. Like, part of my introduction to skating, it was like skateboarding and punk music, like, went hand in hand. So it was like... Aggressive, you know, though. It's real aggressive, huh, in the music. Oh, yes. Yeah. It definitely was. And, like, you know, it, that was part of, like, the whole, like, skate lifestyle. It kind of pulled me in. I was like, fuck, that... This whole thing seemed awesome to me. Like, it was yeah. like the clothes... You know, the skating, like, the, the music, it was just, like, I was sucked in. I was McSqueeb, into all that. The McSqueeb sucked. Exactly. You know, everybody everybody had to have it. You know, we all did it. It's funny because, like, I was just talking to my friend Chris about this last night. It was, like, even dudes we know now in our, like, 30s and 40s who, like, you would never think in a million years that back then that they had the squeeze. <laughs> Even they had it too. Everybody had it. Everybody <laughs> fucking did it. That's it was amazing. so funny. It was just so classic. So, like, you know um, – it's just, it, I think, like, my parents, you know, they were just, like, they they didn't know what to make of it. They thought, like, all right, well, is this going to be something that's going to pass? Like, is he going to eventually, like, grow out of this? Like, you know, or is this going to, like, is he going to be a fuck-up for the rest of his life? You know, like, it seemed like I was going that way, you know? Yeah. And I had a crazy uncle, like a lot of people do. I had yeah. this crazy uncle who had a lifestyle that was, like, out there, you know, had a motorcycle. He had an Indian, and he was just like he did whatever he wanted to do. You know, he you know he smoked pot. He like, you know, listened to jazz. You know, he was out there like for my family. He was like the black sheep, and they thought like, well, 
fuck, maybe he's going to be like his uncle. He's going to be a little a little crazy, you know, and they thought I was too wild. You'll be enjoying yeah. yourself, it sounds like, though. Harleys and, and weed and <laughs> having a good time, though. <laughs> yeah, my uncle, had he definitely had a good time. <laughs> um, so, you know, so my parents were like, they, they definitely weren't sure. It wasn't until um, I think I was four, the end of my 14th year, like 14 turning 15, right before I turned 15, uh, I went to my first contest yes. in Edison, New Jersey. Yes. And my father took me to that. I kind of like made him take me. You know, he was he wasn't into it. He was just like, all right, you know, I'll take you because it was about an hour drive to get there. So I talked him into it. He took me up there and I won the contest. Yes. Yeah. What did you receive, Vert or what? No, it was like a street contest. Sick. You know, it was like the old like 80s street contest where you had like you had a jump ramp. <laughs> you had a bar to do like, you know, board slides on and grinds and like, you know. Those are the best, though. Fuck. Oh, yeah. It was classic shit. It was great. <laughs> um, you know, like a bench, you know, just like shit like that, like random stuff just all, all around on, on in a in a school parking lot, you know, and like the like behind the school. So I won this contest. It was my first contest I ever entered. I remember I was scared shitless, too, like, you know, first time skating in front of a bunch of people like that. And, you know, you get like. You know, they're like, it's your run. You take two runs, you know, and, like, everybody stops and just watches you. And that pressure, like, I, I actually did well under it. Like, and I had no idea. I was so nervous going into it. But then, like, you know, when it happened, like, it just clicked. And I just skated and did all my tricks and didn't fall. And, you know. Some people can do that. It always amazes me. I'm the opposite. I fall apart. <laughs> I'm like, I'll skate great in practice when, I like, there's no pressure. And I get to skate with people. As soon as I'm put on the spot, I'm like. Every time, I just the first trick. <laughs> I'm like, you know what's you know what's funny, Shetler? I I was always I was always good with contests, but then like in sessions, like when it's just a session, like a crazy like gnarly session, that's I'm actually more freaked out by the heavy sessions than I am by contests, you know? Yeah. And I think maybe it's I don't I don't know I'm not sure why that is. Like I never really thought about that, but like contests, I was always okay with. Like it was weird. I could always go into a zone like in the middle of my run and just be like, all right, you know, like just go inside myself and just do my tricks and not think of, and I could block everything out when I'm in the middle of a heated, like heavy session. Yeah. Act, like I can't, it's weird. I it's, I, I over amp, you know what I mean? Like I just get too psyched yeah. and like, I just blow everything out, you know? <laughs> yeah. You know, that's, that's usually how sessions go like that for me. But, um, after the, after that day though, when I won that contest, my dad was, he, it was like just a switch went off with him. He, he was started, like, he started he's liking like, the mix squeeze. This is rad. Like, he's <laughs> like, I'm going to take you to every contest. Then he was like asking me about, like, when's the next contest? Where's, where are, like, how do you find out about more contests? And I was like, Dad, chill. Like, then I was like, I, I put my hand up and like kind of pushed him away. I was like, all right, you know, you need to back off a little bit. Like, yeah, like, it's I'm still not... my thing. Like, I want to do it my way. Like, it's cool that you like it, but. You know, don't, I don't be making want side bets on the side to make some cash. Like, that's <laughs> I just didn't want. You know, it was like I still wanted to be like wanted it to be cool, and I wanted to be able to do it by myself a lot. Because you know, you're a teenager, like you don't want your parents hanging around all the time. So, um, he did take me to con- he took me to my first Brooklyn Banks contest, right. Um, right. and that was when I was 15. That was like eight, 1988. Um, and that that was kind of rad. You know, that that opened up. You know, that was like a whole different world, you know, skating in the city and skating in the banks and everything. It was like, that was a rad time. You know, saw some shit that was just like blew my mind. Wait, wait did you go to the city prior to that skating or was that like the first time you went? Was it- I want to say that I probably went to the city like once or twice to skate the banks before that. I don't Dude. remember exactly how I did. I might have like hopped a train and, and 
And I think I figured out how to do it because that's what I did with Philly. I skated Philly first. Sick. And, and nice. it was with a couple – yeah, it was like with a couple kids from my town who like – they were like, you know, if we skate down to to, uh, to Trenton and, and jump on the train there, we can go right to – to center city in philly we can skate philly and so much stuff you're like yeah so we're like 14 years old and we're like on summer vacation we're like you know parents go off to work you know like they don't know what we're doing we seriously would just fucking go to philly for the day and skate ahead and my our parents had no clue (laughs) like we would just make sure we were back by the time they got done work well they're gonna know now because i'm gonna be showing the podcast (laughs) (laughs) you know a lot of the stuff i told my mother she was like you know she just shakes her head she's just like you fucking crazy kid you know um but yeah so like I, we figured out how to do it to philly first we went to philly i skated love park that was like the first thing i skated in philly was love park yeah there, were, there was water in the fountain so we were skating the ledges like no one had even uh, the idea of doing the love gap like Not that was there. that wasn't even on anybody's radar until like years later you know so it's like at that point, we were just skating the ledges and stuff. Sorry to cut you off, but I kind of wanted to move direction. I want to change directions real quick. Sure. All right. I wanted to, because we talked about contests and getting to the banks and everything. Yeah. I want to kind of get into how you got sponsored, like who who your first hookup was and what was that like? Oh, that's that's kind of a funny story, too. Um, Perfect. I, I'm curious, because I know you skated for Fibro, so I want to make the graduate. I want to go from... From wherever, wherever. All right, all right. Let me let me let me think that how this how this went chronologically. I try to break this down the best way. The first first sponsor was like a shop sponsor. Like good. That. I think that should be kids first sponsors. Is a shop yeah. sponsor. You guys support the shops. Exactly. Yeah. Shop sponsor was the way to go. And you know, and and even then, like the way you did it was you got the shop sponsor, and then like the shops could kind of like could, could kind of try to get you hooked up with. You know, on a, like some kind of flow deal with like whatever company you liked. You know, like you would yeah. give them like a. It was. It still was like that even in the eighties. You put together a video, you have a sponsor me video, and they would send it out for you. The shops would send it out for you. You yeah, know, and that you, was got credit, you got credibility if the shop is like you know works with that vendor and the uh, with that brand and the shop backs you. So that means that you're you're at least supporting a community that has a skate shop. Exactly. That's a rad thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I I found out about this. Um, there was a shop, a skate shop that used to, um, they used to set up like a little table at this roller rink that we used to skate at on Wednesday nights, and it was it was in um, just north of Princeton, New Jersey. It was called Kendall Park Roller Rink, and Mike Valley used to skate there all the time. It was one of the reasons why we went there all the time. So we'd see Mike V there with uh, with Chris Postras and um, a whole bunch of the, the shut skates guys and everything. Like they would come out and skate there. And you'd see some incredible skateboarding. So damn, I'm so jealous, man. Oh, it was it was insane. Gadotti, one second, okay? Sure thing. Sorry, this is a. I'll edit it out. Okay. <laughs> Someone's at my door, though. Okay. Hey, that's enough. Get down. Get down. Yes, that's too funny, Gadotti. It was like some, uh, I don't know if you're religious, and I got nothing against religious people at all, but it was like um, Jehovah Witnesses or something. And I, uh, no, I'm not religious at all. Well, I've had I've had a couple people on the podcast that were. Um, R.P. Best, who's one of my good friends, he's, he's a Mormon, and uh, he told me about going on a Mormon mission, which is cool to hear about. And then um, Steve Barra, he's a Scientologist, and I... Right. 
he kind of told me what Scientology meant to him, which was kind of cool to hear how someone internalized it and used it for good in their life. Um, but yeah, I just poked my head out and I was like, I was like, hey guys, uh, I'm doing a podcast. I can't really talk right now. I'll catch you next time. And they were like, okay. And they're just super cool and walked away. Like, they didn't even get a word out. Yeah. All right. All right. We're back. Okay. We're back and where, where were we talking about? Getting sponsored and riding for a shop. And right, right. Mike, Mike, Mike Valley. That's how you say his last name. Yeah, I, I always said it Valley, and I think that's pretty much what I've heard him say. I don't know, Valley Valley. I have heard like I've heard both too, dude. Yeah, I don't know. Mike and, V. And he's never really said that either. Yeah, or Mike V. He's never really said that either way is wrong. So I don't know. I, I but I've always just said Valley. Yeah. Know. Cool. Um, so he he would be there a bunch, and we you know, and like all the Shuck crew, and like back then, like the Shuck skates guys were like you know. They were they were legendary dudes and they they had a huge impact on on everybody in this area you know like it was just was it because they were like legit that team was incredible you know? they were legit skateboarders that owned it and everything they were it, you know it was kind of like um, it was it was everything really um, they were a small startup company that, you know just a group of guys from out of, out of New York who like wanted to do this company out of a garage and you know they had this team that was just like. Um, you know, they were some of the most gnarly skateboarders like any of us had seen, like, in our area. And so, you know, it was the kind of thing, like, back then we had, like, these street contests and, like, the shut shut team would show up and, like, they used to call it a shutout because they would <laughs> always pick, like, you know, top five spots would just be all shut guys. You know, they were that good, you know. And um, so, like, everybody here, you know, like, my area was just, like, we idolized, like, you know, we had our regular skate idols, obviously, like, West Coast people, you know. It was like, we still had them, you know. But then, late 80s, we had shut. And it was just like, it meant everything to us because they were like, they were local guys. They were incredible, you know. And it was just like, and it was this cool company that, you know, just had a really cool vibe to it. And, you know, it was a rad thing. Like, it was yeah, a Yeah, that sounds really epic, dude. Yeah, I mean, it started out, those guys were just spray painting boards, like, out of a garage. You know, kind of like, um, you know, just total as diy as a skate company can get you know starting out in new york city so amazing uh, so we would see all those people there at this roller rink and then there was a skate shop there that would always set up a table and they would sell their stuff like you know at skate nights at this roller rink and um it was you know that was my they were talking about like doing you know putting together a team so um I was interested, and they... Oh, yeah, you don't have to pay for shit, <laughs> or yeah. pay as much for shit. <laughs> so they so they basically had, like, a contest where um, the winners of the contest would be on the team. So, like, I went out to... The, my mother drove me out to this contest, and, and I ended up winning that and getting on the team. So that was, like, the first... That was the beginning of it. Then um, I actually made a sponsor me tape like while I was while I was skating for the shop and asked them to send it to, uh, to Deluxe because I wanted to get hooked up with... Uh, with Thunder, uh, Real wasn't around yet, I don't think. So it was like, I think I was really just interested in getting hooked up with like, with Thunder and Spitfire. Hell yeah. So, so I sent them, I sent them this tape, and I remember like my father was the one who made the tape, and it was so bad. It was just so, so embarrassingly bad because like, you know, your dad doesn't have any idea how to do <laughs> skateboarding. He has no fucking clue. He would. He went to like I think some of the, a lot of the footage was just at the 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 rink, you know, where we would skate, and he would just stand up against the wall and just like he had like one of those like, 
you know, one of those over the shoulder old camcorders. It was like it was like basically like throwing a suitcase like up on the <laughs> and you would just stand like in one spot and just follow me around, like, you know, taking video and the zoom, like it would be all he'd zoom in and it would get all shaky, you know, and you'd see my board for a second, then it would disappear, you know. He's like talking in the background, like exactly. hey, give me a hot dog. <laughs> oh, that's exactly what it was like. It was so it was embarrassing. Like if I I think about it now, and like it makes me, it bums me out that that exists somewhere, that video, because it's so bad. And oh, it sounds like the best video ever, dude. Oh, it was you so found bad. that now. <laughs> <laughs> I, and you know what? I don't have it anymore. I kind of wish I had it now, just to watch it one time and then burn it up, because I'm sure I'd be cringing the whole time. So, so it didn't work. You're so that's the video. That's the video that we sent, and um, and and I think it was it was either Mickey or or Jim that that answered, like you know. After, like, you know, the person from the shop hounding them, like, did you get the video? Did you get the video? You know, and it might have been it might have been Jim Thibod who who answered. It was either him or Mickey. It was one of the two of them. And they were like, nah, he doesn't look hungry enough. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so now, and I remember, like, I took it to heart. I was just like, oh, shit, you know, back to the drawing board. I guess I'm not, you know, I guess I'm not cut out for this, you know. So it was like years went by before I think it was probably like a good two, three years before I attempted anything like that again, you know. Um <laughs> Without. First, first board sponsor actually was this little company out of um, God. I think they were out of. Uh, I want to say they were out of Maryland, called Stick It Sticks. And Stick It Sticks. Stick It Sticks. They were they, their whole like the, their whole catch was they sold blank boards. They were blank decks, right? Yeah. And so. It was like kind of like one of, the, one of the first of its. I guess it was like I want to say it was like the first blank deck company like to I, I sell boards Powell, without Powell. graphics. Didn't Powell do that for a while? They did this, but this is like uh, this is like eighty eight, yeah. eighty nine. You know, so, so uh, it's probably before that even. You know, before Powell did it, but like, um, so their whole thing was like their ads would just be like these blank like wood grain decks, you know, and it was, the idea was like, you know, stick it sticks. You could put whatever you want on it, you know, stickers, whatever. Blah, blah. <laughs> genius. Yeah, that, was your, that was your graphics, you know. Genius. Fucking yeah. genius. <laughs> and and the boards were like, they were okay, you know. I, I don't really remember like disliking them that much. They were like just all right, you know. So I skated for them for a while. And what was good about them is built into that was a hookup, a flow deal with spitfire and thunder and all that so back door you made it in the back door exactly so i was <laughs> i was psyched and that was that was enough to like you know when you when you get hooked up with something like that you know how it is shetler like it motivates you even more it's like you get your first hookup your first taste of success with that and you're like all right i guess i can do this and then you're like i'm gonna go out and push myself even more and it was like somebody believes in me so yeah you know, that kind of it kind of you know, it validates you a little bit, so you feel like, all right, I can go, I can do this, you know, and, like, you just get more and more psyched to go out and try shit, you know? Yeah, because we don't know. It's like you put all this hard work and effort into creating something that you're stoked on and filming and these tricks, and it's hours of your life, so to have someone that that has been doing that and loves skateboarding, and then they say, like, yeah, we want you to rep our stuff, like, that's definitely validates, like, all that effort, even, yeah. even though you're having fun, but it's still, like, just that, like, feeling of, like, yeah, someone likes what I've created. Like, that's a fucking rad feeling to have, for sure. For sure. Yep. So that was the first one. I don't think that lasted too long. I, you know, that's I'm trying to get the, the timeline right here. But um, after that, um, tried to get hooked up with Shut. That didn't work out. That was a tough one. <laughs> they shut the door. <laughs> that was yeah. – they were they – were, 
it, that wasn't an easy one to, 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 to get, you know, you really had to like, you know, it, cause it, you know, they were a tight, they were a close knit team, you know, they were kind of like five bro in a way, you know, yeah. it was like, um, you, it wasn't, you weren't just going to like send them a sponsor me video and like get on, like you had to like, you had to kind of like skate with them a lot and do all that. So I did try to get in there like in a way with, and it wasn't like a conscious effort. I, I made friends with this um, this kid Brian Blake, who was skating for Shut at the time, and he was really good. And I liked him, and we, you know, we like we like skating together. So I just started skating with him a lot, and I kind of figured, all right, well, if I want to skate for Shut, like, you know, if I'm skating with Brian a lot, like I'll go with him to whenever he goes to like contests or demos or whatever, you know, and then I'll meet the rest of the guys. But like, um, it just wasn't. It didn't really work out that way. Um, I don't know if it was just that I didn't spend enough time, like, you know, doing certain things that he did. I I kind of like missed certain things like here and there where like it probably would have been like that, that crucial moment where it would have been like all of a sudden, like it would have happened, you know, yeah. but it just didn't happen. It was like, you know, missed opportunities, I guess. You it's know? funny because so it's it's I'm trying to compare it to like, cause I, I do all I need skateboards now. And like, there's like, you know, I'm the same way, dude. I'm very protective of like, all I need because we created it you know what I mean so it's not like you could just send a tape and like no matter how good you are and just get on it's like you got to meet everyone who's supporting it and doing it so it's like and sometimes there's tons there's people that hit me up all the time and they're amazing and it's like I can't hook everyone up so it's like but the dudes that I have hooked up are dudes I know and I've met and hung out with and like they've helped me build this thing you know and it's like I can imagine that's what Shut was doing too so yeah just trying to get into that circle is hard unless like the by some circumstance you end up building something or helping or whatever it's like right. you know there's so like, the problem is when kids like see sponsorship there's like companies out there that are like yeah we'll sponsor you and here's some stickers you know or we'll sponsor yeah. you do a bunch of free stuff for us and like we'll give you this and it's like there's a difference there's a fine line you know yeah you know and like my, it's funny because like my I think my experience with sponsorship is like kind of like um, it's it's very like small town in a way, you know, like um, I like it though. It's awesome. Yeah, it's it, it, it's different. I think I don't know. Like you tell me, Shetler, I think it's different now, like because the way kids have to do it now, like it's almost like if they want certain kinds of hookups, like they got to do there's shit that they have to do now. There's like a I don't know. There's like a, there's like a, a, a way that an approach that they have to have to, to get to that point that like I don't know. I think there's like they have to spend like um more time um you know more energy like it's almost it's i don't want to say it's contrived but it's just like they i don't know like they have to like prove themselves in a way by doing certain like by you know taking certain steps that you never had to do like yeah well the thing i was a kid it's just different now like because it's such a big fucking industry now that like there's so many kids just trying to do like exactly all the same thing you know everybody wants a piece of the pie and it's just like so the sponsors now they're just like all right well we'll give you this you know we'll give you a little bit of stuff yeah. and then let's see what you do with that you know yeah. and then you like and then you're like all right well like then i'm gonna you know, the kids go out and they shoot all this video like all this crazy shit and then then they give them that video you know and then the sponsor's like oh yeah yeah that's cool we'll give you a little bit more shit here's a little bit more shit yeah. show us what you can do now you know like and they keep you doing that like they're just they kind of string you along for a long time, like the young kids, until eventually they're just like, okay, you finally proved yourself, like, you know, and I don't know what that, you know, what that point is when they finally do it, but, like, I've seen it, like, I grew, um, 
I, I live in, in Bordentown, and um, Ashad Ware, is, yeah. his house is, is on my street. It's a couple blocks down. That dude shreds. Yeah, and I've watched him grow up in skating. Like, I, I you know, I saw him basically learn to skate, you know, and I saw, like, all the stuff that he did, and it was just like, he kind of, like, he was almost like an exception. Like, it seems like it happened really fast for him. Yeah, but I'm but sure like, there's behind-the-scenes stuff that no one knows, you know. It's like once he got hooked up, he probably got promoted heavy. So you're like, oh, you see him everywhere. So it probably seemed like it was. But I bet he's been filming video parts and doing shit for years and years and years probably. Since the, since the beginning, you know, yeah. for him. Since his beginning, like, he was always doing that. Like, shooting video, going to different spots. And, like, you know, and he went through it. Like, I think he, he just did it the right way. He just traveled a lot, skated a lot, and he skated with the right people, you know. And, you know, and at Tampa, like, he made a good showing. And you know how that is. Like, you go to Tampa and you do well. It's like, you know, the sponsors are basically there, like, watching. They're just like, that guy right there, you know. See him, yeah. you know. It's like, because that's where the industry was, you know. I don't yeah. know so much. I mean, this year was amazing, so hopefully next year is too. But you go there and you just kill it in front of everyone. And it, it, I think attitude played a lot too, you know. So, like, if you have a good attitude and you just kill it and fucking, that could take you wherever, you know. Yeah, and I'm I'm glad to see that that does still matter in skating. You know, like yeah. you can't be you can't be a fucking idiot. You know what I mean? Like if you're just an idiot, like you know, that doesn't go far in skating. Oh, you know, it's just it's, it's just tricks if you're an idiot. You might as well be juggling. Like you could be the best fucking juggler. If, you know what I mean? <laughs> right? Like you could do the most flips and da 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 da. If you're a nice dude, I'll probably like you, you know, and then I'll really like your juggling. But if you're a prick, you're just a dude juggling that's an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> it's the same with skating. It's like, yeah, you can do triple flips and, like, look at beam people while you ride away and you don't know, you never talk to anyone. And it's like, eh, I don't really care what you did. <laughs> that's how you got kicked off Fiveborough, right? Be an asshole in the van, you're getting kicked out. Yeah, kicked yeah off the there's definitely, like, um, flow trash, you know? So if yeah. you're a dick and you can't get along with everyone... <laughs> All right, so where do we go from there? How did you meet Steve and get into riding for fiber? Was there anything before that? The transition? Yeah, yeah um, for sure. It was, um, I want to say, uh, 94. There was this company out of New Jersey called Screw Skateboards. And it was a guy named Bob Lacido who started it up. He had a skate shop. Wait, Bob Lacido? Yeah. Has a Speedo. Where's the Speedo? Where's yeah, Speedo? you know. Oh, man, everybody knows that. So it was spray-painted in a bowl, right? It was in the Asbury pool, yeah. yeah that's what it was. <laughs> so funny. Everybody knows that shit. <laughs> Once that independent book came out, and it was in the independent book, you know, the, the anniversary one, it was just like, everybody knows Bob Lacito wears a Speedo. Poor guy. <laughs> <That's> awesome. <laughs> but uh, I knew Bob because, um, he yeah, he had a skate shop down the shore called Olipops. Wow, and, uh, sick name. Yeah. Back and, name. Um, so, like, he... He was, you know, he was local. He was starting up this little company, you know, and we were like, all right, you know, I I was like, I'll I'll give it a shot, you know, it's a sponsor, you know, and he seemed like a nice enough guy. What was so, it called? It was called Screw. Oh, Screw, that's right. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm in the beginning. So, um, so Steve actually got on that, on, on Screw at the same time, like around, I want to say like 94. Steve but, Rodriguez. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, so we were on the same team. I didn't meet him right away. I didn't meet him until we were going to um, – back then we had these contests, um, NSA, National Skateboard Association. And the way they did like this contest uh, circuit back then, it was you had you had your, your district's contest. And then if you placed in that, you went to regionals, which was a little bit, you know, you know, 
pulled from all the different districts, all the qualifiers. And then if you uh, did well in the regionals, then you went to finals. You know, and finals was always either in like Florida or California, something like that. Um, but the districts were were local, so like they would set the district contests for NSA up, like in somewhere close to you. You would go enter that, try to make top ten, and then move on to regionals and so on and so forth. So let me guess, first, you, did, you did pretty good. I did good a couple times. You oh. know, I I didn't like those contests though. It was weird. Like um, the NSA contests, like I always kind of felt like there was a lot of favoritism that went on in 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 those. Like and I, so like once you got past like the districts. Um, when you got to regionals, like it was a little bit, I think it was tougher to get through. And, and, yeah. and I kind of felt like I didn't have that much of a shot with those. So it was like, I'm not going to put, put too much effort into these NSA contests. So I didn't take them that seriously. I liked them, but you know, I liked them more for the people that I could skate with and hang out with, you know, yeah. it was a good time. I like you know, that too. I, I didn't care as much about like making it to finals really, but, uh, their name, the their name for sure is unfortunate though. NSA, right? NSA. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of get a bad rap. We had a small, we had a smaller version of it called the ESA, the Eastern Skateboard Association. And that was like a small, even smaller contest circuit. Um, and that was like, I think I did, I, I never did ESA. I only did NSA, which is kind of funny. You would think like it would be the other way around, but was Steve skating these contests too? That that's the thing. That's how I met Steve. We were um, we were driving up to uh, Connecticut for, I think it was for regionals for the regionals uh i think i had already made it through districts in new jersey somewhere so or maybe that was i can't, not important <laughs> one or the other like it was either the, the districts or the regionals it was one or the other it, but it was at a, a skate park in connecticut at the same time called playground See. so uh, so we're driving up there um but we picked up steve in the car at the train station to so that he could hop in the car and ride up with us me and bob lacito so that was when I met him, and he showed, and like I just, I, I'll never forget. We pull up the train station, you know, and and Steve comes like, Steve comes like walking over, carrying his board, and he's got his little shorts on. He wore like little <laughs> shorts, like short shorts, you know, like he had like basketball player shorts. They were like, I, I don't know if they were like soccer shorts or like surfers. They might have been like surf shorts, and like and like a tank top or something. And he had like like fluffy spiky black hair yes it was so funny and i was just like who is this fucking kook <laughs> steve rodriguez <laughs> and uh so and so steve comes skating over, you know comes walking over karen's board and he gets in the car and like you know bob was like you know pat this is steve steve this is pat and that's that's when i met him it was on that trip up to uh to connecticut to go did, to, he go, did he shake your hand with his man handshake and just go yo what's up he was he was kind of quiet like you know you oh, think okay. of steve like he's kind of like a He's not a shy guy, you know, no. like he's, he's pretty confident, you know, and he's like, he, he's, you know, he's a go-getter, you know, but like, I remember him being kind of reserved on that trip. Like he didn't talk too much, you know, he, and like, I think we were both just trying to like, you know, get through the, the weekend. Like, you know, we were nervous about this fucking contest, you know, and like we, we, at that point, like we were kind of on the same level. We were trying to like, you know, we were trying to like prove ourselves by skating in this contest. You know, you have all this pressure on you to do well and everything. So like, he wasn't really, he wasn't the Steve R that we know now. When I was in that car with him, like, you know. <laughs> yeah, I'm tripping because I'm just when I met Steve, he owned Fiberborough and was building it, and he like sponsored me, and I was the little kid and nervous and super, yeah, <laughs> super yeah. uncomfortable. It's so funny. I've never thought of him that way ever. It's always just like. He's a man, and he skates, and he knows what he's doing, and like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, he was, 
that was one time when you know and i got to see him like you know before that you know before he was became like you know the person that he is in skating now and he was just like he was just a regular kid you know and like we were nervous like you know we didn't want to skate in this contest and i think he like i don't think he really knew how to skate in a contest like so he was like it was a struggle for him yeah he was he oh i will say this about steve he's always been a, that is a true street skateboarder like that he's a street skater you can tell like, by his push dude in the realest push. sense like yeah. he is a street skater to the core you know like so t- putting him in this like skate park street course you know back then it was like it's all big shit. It's like big quarter pipes and fucking jump ramps and everything. And for me, like, it's perfect. I'm like, yeah, this makes sense to me. You know, I grew up, you know, it was like I skated street, but, like, transition was what I always wanted to skate the most, you know? Yeah. So, like, for Steve, it was kind of like, it was a struggle for him. He didn't like it at all, you know? So Same way at the beginning. Yeah. I, it's it's kind of funny, too, because, like, you know, I think, like, even now, like, you know, I think he there's part of him that wishes he he did figure that out and had it under his belt because when you get older it's harder to skate street like you know all the time you yeah. can transition you can kind of like cruise and you can like you know there's stuff like can do on is gnarly for transition but like um the gnarlier stuff that i did when i skated street i can't really i can't do that anymore you know like yeah me personally some people can I, I i've had a hard time with that i couldn't keep it you know yeah, I've, I transitions way way softer on your body. It's less like impact, you know what I mean? Because you can slide out on the tranny and yeah, as long as you don't slam, you know the slams are bad. Yeah, <laughs> and, the, and the vert slams are like you know I that's like you know vert slams are they're the worst. It's like a no, car crash, you know. No, thank you. No, yeah. thank you. <laughs> but like you know, you try to avoid those. You know, you minimize the damage. But like, um, so that was that was ninety four, and that was that was screw skateboards, and that was like you know. That was me and me and Steve's team, and then so when um, that came to an end, like it was, um, you know, me and Steve kind of didn't have we didn't have sponsors at the time. We you know we weren't doing anything with that, and Steve decided. I think I don't know if it was like a transition where he went right from Screw to starting Five Barrel, but like there was a, a very short period of time, I guess, where like I wasn't talking to Steve, and he had cooked up the you know five barrel it was like his baby and he had created this idea and he wanted to go with it and then so eventually i got a phone call from him telling me about it and that was 96 the beginning of it and he said you know i'm starting this company it's called five barrel he's like do you want to ride for it and i was like hell yeah i want to ride i like it was there was no question it was just like yeah definitely like you know so at that point i had skated with him you know a couple years with screw so i knew him you know formed a friendship with him and i knew he was like a no bullshit dude i knew he he like if there was anybody i knew in skating who was going to know how to do a company it was steve like i knew it like it wasn't going to be some bullshit fly-by-night operation like he was going to do it it was going to be done well you know and it was going to be cool and so there was no question when he called me up i was like yeah i'm definitely going to do it so like yeah 96 that was the beginning of fibro that's how it started you know it was like we you know we broke off from screw skateboards steve started it up called me up and the rest is history, man. <laughs> Dude, that is so cool, man. I'm just tripping because, like, for my perspective, I was a little kid in New Bedford, Mass, and Steve and those five, and you guys, <laughs> including you, who guys would come and skate Fairhaven and skate these little situate bullshit parks. And, like, that was my thing. I, like, wanted to, like, be down with you guys and, like, looked up to you guys. I remember Element came through. Fibro came through a bunch. Remember Supernaut? Yeah. They came yep. through. Um. But Fibro, because I would talk to my homie Jay, who owns Solstice Skate Shop, and I, yeah, 
yeah, he would send my footage to Steve, and then yeah, then I got to meet Steve because you guys would come to the demos and do the do the demos and the stuff, and like it was just so sick. And that's how I met Steve and all this stuff, and it's so cool that uh, we did a lot of really cool stuff, man. So for sure, and New England was like that was our stomping ground, man. We went all the New England states. We were I feel like we were up there just all the time, everywhere. you know, everywhere, dude. That we did so many demos and we traveled everywhere. I remember. Oh, I wanted to tell you a story. Um, I saw Tato at this year's Pro Skate uh, Tampa Pro. Yeah. Um, and he was. I I woke up early because I wanted to watch the team manager and like industry VIP contest they do. Yeah. And Tato, I was talking to Tato about real life stuff right before. He's like telling me he's like yeah, you know I always want to do good in these things and da and we were talking about like alcoholism and drinking and stuff like that. Right. I was like, yeah, Tato, if you didn't, if you weren't drinking so much, you'd probably win this thing. And he goes, well, that's what I'm doing right now. I haven't, I've been sober for X many years. And, and he's like, I'm going to kill it. And he fucking won. <laughs> he won the fucking thing. Right after he told me that, they like called his name. He dropped in and he fucking killed it. No shit. Dude, it was like one of my, like that made Tampa for me. I was so hyped for Tato. It was fun. Oh, that's rad. So t- I, I missed that. I saw some of the contests, but I didn't, I, I, I missed that. Yeah, Mike Mike V too was there, and he like uh he came out and he just like picked a trick. He like did a plant a hand like he did a foot plant off the wall, but it was like the gnarliest thing. But it took him two runs to land it. The first run he just kept trying and slamming. He like launched out a core pipe, like plant up on the wall and jump back in. And the whole run he just kept slamming, but coming really close. And then the second run he came out and just battled it. And then he hey, you know, got it's it. funny. I I did catch that, and you know what's funny like. He was at uh, he was doing an in store appearance in my town like two days before that contest and we were hanging out talking and stuff. It was no so shit, funny. really? Yeah, and then two days later he he was out for that and and I did catch that. That was one thing that I did catch on that you know the webcast or whatever him yeah. doing that. So that was pretty cool. Um, I, he does has a podcast as well, the Mike V Show. Yeah, I haven't caught it. I've actually I I've listened to yours a little bit, um, which is kind of funny because like you know you just had the one with uh, with Kyle Berard. Fuck yeah, Kyle, it's awesome. It's it's kind of rad because some of the shit that he was talking about, like that, um, there's like there's stuff from his interview that like that kind of like relates to like my whole uh, beginnings in skateboarding, which is kind of funny. The Virginia Beach thing, Trashmore. Oh yeah, that's right. You said Tra- Mount Trashmore is the first ramp I ever uh, vert ramp I ever dropped in on. Really? And they yeah. he was saying Tony Hawk like lost his virginity there or something. Dude. Virginia Beach was fucking epic back in the 80s, man. He And that's the thing. It's before his time. I actually went there in in the summer of 86. My my good friend who I was skating with at the time, his mother um, took us down there because we had been watching the Bones Brigade 2 video that summer over and over again. It was on repeat. So Future Primitive, we watched it every fucking day. We loved that video. We were just like, this video fucking rules. And it had a part in it that was them skating, you know, the contest um, at Trashmore uh, on the ramp. So, like, you know, we knew it wasn't that far away. It wasn't California. Like, you could drive there. So, you know, his mother, like, she was just – she was awesome. She was like, I'll take you guys down there if you want to go. Fuck yeah. So, so me and my friend, you know, we, we hopped in the car with her, and she drove us down there for a week, and we spent a week in Virginia Beach. And I got to tell you, Shetler, it wasn't even just the, the park. Like, 
Virginia Beach, like the beach town, like the skating, like the street sessions, like they would mob up at like the local Seven Eleven, and it would be guys like Andy Howell and like all the, the you know, like all like his like crew, like that he skated street with down there. Okay. They'd be mobbed up at the Seven Eleven, skating like the curb there, like doing wall rides and stuff, and it was like. And the energy there was just, like, fucking explosive, dude. I remember seeing those sessions, like, you know, and those sessions, as much as rad as the ramp was, and, like, believe me, like, I'll talk about how gnarly that shit was, the, the ramp, but, like, just even seeing those street sessions at night, like, where it was just, like, it, it, was, it was really inspiring, man. Like, it was, like, you know, I had already, it was, skating was already kind of new for me. I had only been skating for two years at that point, but, like, you know, that was, like, that was the beginning of when I realized like just how gnarly skating is like seeing that stuff in person for the first time, you know, like the street skating, the, you know, and then the vert skating, but like, it's like, you know, it, I can, I dude, I know the moment too. It's like such amazing. You feel like you're like, Holy shit. This is like, when you realize people are doing things like that, like it's trips me out. It's surprising me that right there had a hot spot. Like it must just take one person that's yeah. super hyped and gets everyone hyped. I think a lot of it was um, they had they had that shop there, um, 17th Street Surf Shop, which was like their their combined like surf and skate shop, and I think that they were like they probably had a big hand in that, like creating like the the, the scene down there and supporting it. And um, I you know I can't they probably had something to do with like getting the park too. Um, okay. So you know we went down there basically because we knew that 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 park was there, the the ramp was there, and like you know his mother took us there and we spent the week there and I skated that, that ramp. And, you know, I, I learned to drop in with like guys like, um, um, Alan Midget was there, I think. And Mike Conroy. And these are like rad gnarly vert guys. Like, yeah, I don't know them. And I feel bad saying that, but I, I'm sure that they played a big role at that time. But like, they're a, uh, dude, they're a whole crew down there. They're called the pitchforkers, the pitchfork crew. <laughs> Sick. Yeah. And they're, and they were just like, you know, all the different, you know, like, areas, like, local areas had, like, their own crew, and, like, their crew was, they were gnarly. Henry Gutierrez, like, just super gnarly guys, like, rad verse skaters. So, like, they're there, like, when I'm learning to drop in, and they're all, like, obviously, like, they're, you know, they see a young kid, like, they're not going to be dicks, you know, they were, like, cool, they were, like, trying to, you know, like, get me psyched to do it, you know, and, like, you stand on a vert ramp the first time, you know, you're you're 12 years old, and you're looking at it, and the thing may as well be 30 feet tall. It may as well be a mega ramp when you're 12 <laughs> years old, you know, and you're barely five feet tall. So I'm looking at the thing, and I'm just scared shitless, and I'm like, can I do this, you know, like, is this going to work? And they're all there, and, like, they're these rad guys, like, they're doing, like, you know, stalled out tuck knee inverts and everything, you know, and huge fucking lena tails and body jars, and they're trying to get me to do it, and, uh, so the first one, I, I set my tail on the coping, I look over, and I'm like, shit, like, I feel like I can't even see the ramp because it's so steep, you know? Like, I'm looking down the wall. So I just hit the, you know, hit the suicide button, went for it, <laughs> I, and I ate shit so hard. <laughs> I slammed so fucking bad. I didn't but, expect that. I thought you were going to run away. No, dude, the first one, I ate shit so bad. And, like, you know, it was the classic, like, lean back, you know, fall back, you know. Oh, and those are the worst. Fuck. Yeah. So, and, and my friend's mom was actually there. You know, she saw it, and I could tell she was just horrified. She was like, oh, my God, I got to call his mom now and tell him he died, you know. <laughs> So like you know, I'm laying there. I can't breathe. You know, I knocked the wind out of myself. And, you know, <laughs> my hip, my I'm sure I blew my hip all up and everything. You know, oh, fuck. and uh, my pads all fell down. You know, so like I, I get it. back up and I'm like, I can't, I can't leave here without doing this, man. I can't leave here without doing this. So like I pick myself up, climb back up to, to the top of the ramp, and I'm like sitting there for a little bit, waiting. You know, watching those guys skate again, and then like I put it back up there the second time. 
And I'm pretty sure I can't remember for sure. It was either the second or third time. The second time I think I I rolled, I made it up the second wall and then jumped off on the kick turn on that one. And then by the third one, like I think I dropped in and just kept going and kick turning back and forth. And the guys went crazy, you know. They were all psyched, you know. It was rad. That's glory, right there. Yeah, dude. And and the thing is, like that, you know. For me, like, it's kind of rad, like, the first real ramp that I dropped in on this fucking trash more. I mean, that's, like, <laughs> that's, cool. I, that's the best thing for me. I Like, I love that. It's fucking awesome. That's man. a classic getting back on the horse story, too, as well. Yeah. Taking yeah. a hit and being like, fuck, I got to take you know, beast. You know, Shetler, I've always felt like, you know, when I, I'm trying to learn something or trying to do something, like, if I leave and I don't do it, like, I'll fucking kill myself mentally, you know, like. Just if I, you know, if I don't get it, like I have to do it before I go. It's like if I don't do it, then it's just like, you know, I'll just I'll, I'll go through like mental torture, you know. So I knew I was going to have to do it. And even at 12 years old, I could get myself psyched up enough even to take the, the slam on the on the vert ramp. You know, I think the vert ramp then was probably like it was like a classic 80s vert ramp. They were all 11 feet tall back then. They were nine and a half, one and a half. So it was like nine and a half transition one and a half feet of vert and Fuck. You know, 11 foot vert ramp slam on that when you're 12 you know it's just like no when you're no matter what age you are <laughs> scared the shit out of you you know <laughs> fall from 11 feet down it sucks yeah, yeah my one time at skaters island that was the park i had when i was growing up one of the parks i was blessed it was 40 minutes away but i'd hustle rides to get there but they had the fucking vert ramp and tony hawk almost wait was it tony hawk no someone who was it one of the Damn, not Tony Hawk. Tony Hawk did come, and he shredded the park. But there was this local dude, and he almost did the 900 on this vert ramp before Tony Hawk did it. He didn't get it, but he was really yeah. close. But um, that vert ramp, I don't remember. I think it was 12 feet, but my buddy, he was up there, and he's a frail dude. He's my friend Jeff, awesome dude, but super frail looking. Like, you look like... Like, if you if you fell, he's going to shatter. He's super... <laughs> yeah. Like, he knows it. And uh, he put his board up there, and he had been tra- wanting to drop in for so long. And like you know me, I like I want to get him to do it too. I'm with him. I'm on this mission, and I know we could do it. And he puts, and it's like days and days of us me heckling him. He finally puts his board on the on the coping, and he puts his. And I go, Jeff, if you put your front foot on the bolts, you have to do it. And if you don't, you have to buy me McDonald's. That was the bed. I don't even know why. <laughs> I don't even like McDonald's. But uh, he took the bet serious, and this is after days of, like, wanting to do it. And uh, he didn't take his front foot off, and he fucking tried dropping it, and he fucking belly flopped so oh. bad, dude. And it was like – and he was so frail, and I was like – he didn't break anything, which was amazing. Yeah. And uh, – but that was like – I just seen someone fall from, like, 12 feet up to the fucking bottom. I've never done that, thank God. Thank God. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy when you, you look at slams like that, and you kind of think, like, you know – I had one slam that I took last uh, last winter where I basically, like, fell from, like, you know, I was doing an air to fakie, and, like, when I came down, my, my back foot wrapped under my tail. So, like, I just went straight. To, I fell straight to flat on my side. And, like, so you think you see it, and you're, like, you realize, like, that's basically the same as if I just jumped off the top of the bowl, like, <laughs> to, like to my side at the flat. You know, it's the same thing. It's the like, equivalent, yeah. And then you realize, you're, like, man, like, this shit is like gnarly. Like you really like are putting yourself in like crazy situations where like that is the reality. Like, you know, when you fall like that from like, you're, you know, 12, 13 feet up, like, you know, and if you're doing an air out of the ramp, like if the ramp and you're, and you're like four or five feet out of that, you know, you're almost 20 feet up, you know? That's why I don't mind. I don't mind that those guys wear pads. It's like, dude, 
You know what I mean? The just wearing pads, <laughs> like fuck, I, dude. I skated with uh, with Chris Russell a couple weeks ago, and and last week, um, and he skates. You know, he skates for like padless and everything, and he skates with his trucks. He's got the shakes, you know, the trucks oh, like yeah, yeah, yeah. the wobble, and he just goes for it, man. And he blasts like, and he's like gnarly, dude. And like, no pads, no helmet, and it's crazy to see how he can like he can bail out, like get out of situations where it's not like he's like. He's not like cruising. He's blasting. Like he's yeah. still doing airs. Like you know, chest high, head high. Like yeah. How the fuck you still going for that it? Out? How do you run that out, dude? It, it's amazing. Like I don't know. Like sometimes, like you think he's gonna. There's no way he's gonna not gonna die. You know, when he bails out of something and just somehow like he's all right. I don't know. But he's so gnarly, dude. Super gnarly. Yeah. And yeah, that you know, like I, you know, I I will skate without pads for some stuff. And for me, it's basically like. Um, I have to, you know, I have to think about what I'm skating and like what I'm doing, you know, like I skated Chelsea with those guys last Friday and Chelsea's concrete. So, and it's 10 feet. So like technically I probably should be at the very least like putting helmet on or something like that, you know, but like I have it so in me, like, you know, you skate for like 30 years and you're just like, uh, nothing's going to happen. Like I know myself, like I know what I'm doing. Like, you know, sure freak accident can happen, but like you know, probably not gonna, so, like, you kind of, like, I don't know, like, I think you develop this, like, weird kind of, like, sense, like, in, you know, that you know your limits, you know what's gonna happen, and you know you're not gonna, like, you know, as long as you stay at a certain point, you know, like, within a certain, you know, um, uh, degree of difficulty, like, you know, with, like, yourself, like, what you know you can do, you know, because because to learn that stuff, you have to go through the whole range of motions, you have to start at the very beginning, and you have to work your way up from the bottom, so, like, of years of doing this, the ceiling keeps raising, you know, like, on whatever trick it is, you know what I mean, that's true, yeah, yeah. so you know where that ceiling is, so, if you go out, and you have a day where you're like, no, I'm gonna hover around here, and not push that ceiling, and have fun, like, you kind of know, you're like, okay, that's, you know, I'm not... Just do it, yeah. Yeah, but there's days when I go out, and I'm just in a mood where I'm like, I'm going to break that ceiling. (laughs) I want to do this trick into that bank, or over that, or down something. Like, some days you just have that, like, we were talking earlier, aggression, or whatever, because... And I, I'd still do that. I'm I'm 32, so I don't know. <laughs> that's not that old, but I, I guess, like, I hope that stays with me a little bit, you know, to some degree. I look at... It will. Yeah, I mean, I'm 40, you know, I'm going to be 42 in a couple of weeks. It's still with me, Shetler, so it'll it'll stay with you, too. Yeah, just as long as you as long as you um go back to the fundamentals. That's why I teach skateboard lessons, because I go back and I talk to I meet these people that are just beginning whatever age. And I get to show them how to turn front side and back side on flat ground and how to find, find their center of balance with their front foot so they can push properly. And like. I do it with them, so it reminds me all those fundamentals. So when I do go to push that ceiling, I feel great on my board because I've been practicing all the fundamentals, and I feel super good, you know. Yeah, yeah, do, definitely. Do, do you um do you do any stretching or anything? Uh, you know, it's it's funny because like I probably like I should do more. I do I stretch a little bit, you know, and like there was a period in time like um about a year or so ago and i was definitely like i was better with it you know i was doing it more and paying more attention to that um i i will like when i go to skate like most of the time i'll spend at least you know five ten minutes like you know doing like a few different stretches but like i was doing more stretching and you know like 
a couple of years ago, like I'd stretch even before I left the house, you know, mm-hmm. I'd, I'd have like a series of like different yoga stretches that I would do, like nothing too crazy. Like I didn't, I never took classes or anything. I just kind of like my, you know, my wife did it a little bit. So she showed me a few things. So I just kind of would do the ones that I thought were stretching, like muscles that I really needed to stretch out, you know, I do that. I kind of, I kind of got away from that in the last year. So I haven't really been doing it that much. So like, you know, but I do try to stretch a little bit because like, I mean, it's you know it's fucking harder when you're like when you start out and you're so stiff you know like that's how I was today when I went out my my lunch break because last night I was skating and it was so hot and like pretty much used up all my energy last night and I was like super stiff and sore this morning so yeah I tried I tried to stretch you know and try and work it out but like um yeah I probably should stretch more I, I do it a little bit but not like you know I'm not crazy about it like yeah. I don't have like a really crazy regimen or anything like that. Like I, I probably should at 41 years old be doing a little bit more. So well, I'm the opposite of you. I stretch all the fucking time, and it, <laughs> and it's because I think I I think it's because I smoke weed. So when I smoke weed, it heightens kind of everything, and I always am like I'm like want to stretch and see how far I can get and where the aches and pains are. Yeah, so I'm constantly like feeling my knees or my ankles you know, and, you know, and, and i know like when i was doing it i was skating better you know probably so i probably you know i'll get back to it again like everything i go everything goes in cycles for me you know that's okay. kind of how most of it is like stuff like that like you know it's like i do it for a while hardcore and i see good results and then like kind of get away from it and then i come back to it you know that's normal that's the ebb and flow yeah. of things because when you get what you want then you want the opposite so it goes back and forth it's like sure. um another question do you have any kids i do i have one daughter she's nine wow in Naples, yeah. <laughs> was that like like a wow Sick. It's, the, it, it's it's the best thing i ever did that's awesome yeah it, she's she's the best and she's you know um you know, she's daddy's little girl. She loves her daddy. She loves to watch me skate. She's proud of, you know, her dad. And, you know, she's, um, she actually, she takes photos of me a lot when we go out skating. I take her out with me. And, um, what? That's so sick. And she's really good at it. Like, it's, it's kind of crazy. Like, um, better than dad was? Uh, <laughs> you know, like, it's funny because, like, the, fir- the first time I took her out, um, I guess it was about three years ago. About three years ago, I took her out and and I handed her I handed her my phone right and I was like, um, I'm gonna do this trick and I want you to see if you can take a picture of it, you know. And and it was I was doing a lean air on on the ramp that I skate on my lunch break, you know. Had she had she already seen you skating prior to this? Yeah, yeah, she was watching me skate okay. and um, so I was like, I didn't give her that much direction with it. I was just like, you know, I'm gonna do this I'm gonna do this air and like and I want you to try to catch it when I'm like at the highest point and don't cut off Daddy's head. You know, like, you want to have my head in the shot. And she was like, okay, daddy. So, you know, at that point, she's like six years old. Yeah, about six years old. So, I, you know, she takes the phone, and she's, like, holding it, and she's just staring through it, you know, like, looking at the at the screen. And uh, and I drop in, and I, and I do, you know, I do my lean air, you know, and, like, it felt good. And I was like, oh, man, there's no way she, she got that photo. Like, it's <laughs> too fast, you know, like. So I, I come up on the deck, and, and she's like, I think I got it, daddy. And I looked at it. She's like, one try, one try. And it was fucking, and she caught it perfectly. Like, her timing was, like, perfect. Like, I mean, it was, like, a legit photo. So I saved it, and, like, you know, and I showed it to all my friends and everything, and it was like, that's unbelievable. So I thought, like, all right, well, maybe it's a fluke. Like, you know, let's try to shoot some more. So, like, we, we shot a bunch more photos that day, and, like, and almost every time she would get the timing right. She would nail it. Like, she would take the picture, and it would just come out, like, 
like perfect. And like I didn't really tell her. It's funny because like I didn't tell her, you know you know like when you shoot like a photographer has to shoot a certain trick like you know if it's an air like some kind of flip trick whatever there's always like that one frame that's like the best frame and the photographer's always going to try to catch that frame you know so like it's really hard how do you explain to like a six-year-old kid what that frame what that magic frame is you can't really you can't explain like all right well when i do my when i do my lean melon like there's the one frame where like my my back foot curls and my front foot curls at the same time yeah, and, you know, and I'm leveled out. But if you wait one frame too long, it's going to be the wrong frame, and I'm going to be already coming back in, you know, and I'm gonna, I'm not going to be at my peak. Yeah, it's not going to look. You know, like it's really hard to explain that to a six year old and have them understand and being able to and be able to. I didn't even have to like say anything. It was almost like it just made sense to her. Like she just saw it and she was like, okay, that's the best part, and she would click them off and like she would nail it almost every time, and she still can do it. It's crazy, like instinctual that she must just see the like. She must be able to see it and just know yeah. the peak moment. Yeah, because that's ex- usually that takes experience. Because what's even what's even funnier is when she was doing it. I was telling her like, and I was like blown away. I'd be like, Nina, how? Like, I was like, how the hell do you do that? Like, it's so good. Like, it's so perfect. She'd be like, What are you talking about, Dad? This is easy. And I was like, Ah, <laughs> oh, you little brat. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's it's just she's the she's the hybrid of you. So to her, that's her normal. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, I I think I definitely think she picks up some things from me. I I don't know, you know. Yet I don't know yet what all those things are going to be like. You know, if she's going to have like all the same things, the same traits that I have. But like, she definitely seems to have the same balance. Um, I put her on a board, and she's like, you know, she's solid. Like her balance is good, and like she's. It's funny because like I watch her push, and like she pushes like me. Like it's like funny because like I'm behind her, and it's like I like I'm watching myself push. It's a female crazy. version of you. <laughs> oh, dude, it's the craziest thing to see because I'm like, that's me, you know. Like she doesn't understand. She doesn't like she can't quite comprehend like that, like how crazy that is, you know. Um, but yeah, it's it's rad to see that like there are things like that. She's definitely picking up from me, you know. She has my balance, and you know my coordination and stuff and just the way she moves like and does things like physically like she looks like me you know it's kind of cool do you feel like um you'll have any more kids no at this point like you know me and my wife when we were uh in our 20s we actually never even intended to have kids it wasn't until we were in our late 20s that we were like we both changed our minds and started talking about it and um and luckily we both kind of hit that point you know, mentally at the same time that we did change our minds and wanted to because, like, yeah, I mean, if one did and the other didn't, you know, that wouldn't have worked out, you know. Yeah, that could stray a relationship for sure. Yeah, so, um, yeah, late 20s, we decided we wanted to. And then, like, pregnancy, uh, we didn't actually um, go forward with it until we were, um, you know, 30, 31 years old. So at that point, like, um, uh, for my wife, she was high risk pregnancy because we had some other issues going on before that. Um, she did physically, so it was like the pregnancy itself was kind of stressful um, yeah. because she was high risk, and so we weren't. You know, we were constantly getting hit with these things through the pregnancy that were really just making it just such a, uh, an anxiety ridden and stressful time. So once we finally had had Nina, had the you know, and she was she was healthy and everything was great. It was like we kind of like breathed this big sigh of relief, and then we were just kind of like, okay, like and then we were just like, then we're not doing that again, you know? Because like we were happy, you know. What like, done? We weren't gonna relive that that experience, you know. It was like it was kind of, um, it was too a little stressful and almost too stressful to enjoy the pregnancy because like things were going on that made it stressful. So it was like once we had her and we were happy and 
you know, it was it's expensive to have kids anyway too. So like, you know, man, we found out like we were gonna have to pay like for daycare, and it was like almost the the same amount as our mortgage. You know, it was just like okay, it's like paying two mortgages. You know, so it was like, can we afford to do another one in daycare? Probably not. You know, not right now. So. You know, later on we could, but by that point we were just, it was too, you know, she was too old. We weren't going to try to have another another kid by that point. So, no, we're one and done. That's it. Just All right. I, I, that leads me to two other questions. Um, One is, is your does your lady work? I, and if I get too personal, just tell me to fuck off. And we no, it's skip. fine. All right. <laughs> does your lady work? She does. She did it for a while, but she but she does. And uh, But she mostly works from home, which is, it works out well, you know, for the family. You know, it's, it's good for her, you know, and... Uh, and uh yeah extra income is nice two two person income is awesome that's equality i like it almost almost necessary now if you're going to live in you know an expensive place like new jersey too so i don't know many people who can do it otherwise you know it's kind of hard it's so expensive now you know yeah me and my me and my lady own a house in taunton massachusetts and uh she works and i work 50 50 equals yeah Yeah, i mean you know like if you want to have like a decent place you know and um you want to live like in a in an area that has like decent public school. Like we wanted to take advantage of public schools too. We wanted to be able to do that. So, you know, uh, in New Jersey to be able to do that, decent schools and you know, the property taxes are high. Like, um, you know, I don't I don't know many people who can do it in New Jersey. Like one income, you know, like it's it's kind of hard. Yeah, New Jersey's insane for sure for yeah. property tax. I've heard that a lot. Oh, it's crazy. Like. I just tried to buy a house uh, last year that had that was on a big piece of land just so I could have my own vert ramp, you know. Sick. <laughs> yeah, and it, and and the whole thing is I wanted to stay in my town because I like my town and my daughter likes her school and you know we like this school district so we wanted to stay in the town. And the town is small; it's only one square mile. The whole town. What really? Yeah, it's a small town. What so f- like you know, so I wanted to stay in the town. So you you know that limits your search obviously when you're to a town small. Yeah. And there was and. It was kind of like the magic situation, like this. There, it's a small town with like it's mostly city, and it's like, um, you know, a lot of the properties here are small, like they're like city lots, you know. So like that's how my house is. It's a small backyard. It's tiny, um, but there is one street in our town where it's um, the way that the uh, the houses are situated. They all have um, these huge, long, big backyards, right? Yeah. But one of the houses on that street is up for sale. And and the yard is like I want to say it's like 250 feet deep. It's huge, yeah. big backyard, right? Yeah. So we went and looked at the house, and um, and you know I looked at the yard, and it was actually perfect for a bird because the way the yard was set up, like it kind of went down like a hill, and then it flattened out in the back, and there were Ooh. four trees in the back, and there was a clearing in the middle of the four trees. The four trees basically like squared out an area of shade. Like it was meant to be, like it's meant to be. It was so meant to be. Like <laughs> I thought, I thought it was anyway. It ended up not working out. Ultimately, Damn it! But like, you know, I we made an offer on the house. They accepted. It was with a contingent to sell sell our house. You know, we had basically just had to sell our house. And nothing in my town has has been selling. Nothing has been moving. So like, their house, you know, my house didn't sell. They still didn't sell theirs. And this is going. This is from last year. You know, and so like you guys got a still, fucking stalemate. Yeah, so basically it did. It didn't work out, and then my, my my wife got cold feet, and she was like, "You know what?" She's like, "I don't really want to. I don't want to move. I want to stay in this house now." So I was like, "Damn, I lost the vert ramp." <laughs> That's so, so now I'm here, and I'm like, "All right, well, how can I? What can I do in my yard? My yard's small. I could probably put a concrete bowl in the back, you know, a little dig one. Dig down, so, dig down, yeah. 
Yeah, so I'm, I'm, you know, that's that's been talked about. You know, the wife's not always thrilled about about that idea. Dude, you know, dude, but. my friend Martin in New Bedford, Mass. He has a Napkin Park, which is his backyard. He lives in New Bedford, which is his city, and it's all these tight houses and like Portuguese families, and it's all city. You know what I mean? Right. He can pour concrete, so he poured like all these humps and like banks and like little. Oh, you know, what? I think I've seen that Jared's case there, right? Yeah, I think I've Jared seen it up His Instagram and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Napkin Park, and that's in his backyard. And like he he told, he told me a story about how when the 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 insurance inspector or someone came and he just like he tried to just be like, yeah, it's like art or something. <laughs> like basically, they're like, okay, whatever, believe them, and it's just like. Uh, but it's so much fun. It's small, tight, but you can have like heated sessions and everyone. He brings us all over. And he's got some fruit from his trees, but it's in the middle middle of the city. It's like a little oasis. It's- yeah, you know, it's it's rad. You can get away with with shit like that with the the, the zoning and stuff. Because I remember somebody. I don't remember who it was. Somebody told me that that they got over and got permits to build um to build a. a I think a small vert ramp by basically saying like they wanted to put a concrete slab back there. Um. So, you know, to build the ramp on. So to get the permit for the ramp, they went to like there's uh, they, they went to uh, City Hall and basically said that um, they said that they wanted to just put only put like a concrete slab down just to ride skateboards on. Like almost as though they were just going to like, you know, just skate around like on this little concrete piece. But they built a, but they built a vert ramp on it. But like they got the permit by basically just saying that they were going to put a concrete slab back there to skateboard on. <laughs> so like, and the way they kind of worded it, they were like careful. They were like, "Yeah, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna lay concrete and we're gonna skateboard in the backyard." They didn't mention the ramp. They got <laughs> they the had lawyer write that one out. <laughs> but they totally got the permit, to, so it became legal, you know. And like that was that was the loophole, so it worked out. So when I was going to do my ramp, I think I was going to try to do the same thing because I didn't want to try to do it you know, under the radar and then eventually have like inspectors come and see it and be like, you got to tear this thing down. You know, if I got a permit, like once it's there, that's it. When you have the permit, you know, yeah, you're legal, good. you know, then, then you're, you're, you're in, but, um, <laughs> you know, yeah. So I was going to try to figure out how to do it that way, but like, yeah, I might be able to pull something off in my yard. I don't know. You know, I, I'm transition guy. So like, I would want to do like a bowl if I could, you know, a pool or something. Well, I got, I got some land, but I live like 10 minutes from a skate park. That's massive skater's edge. It's like, Oh yeah. Yeah. I know that park. So like it's 10 minutes and like, they don't charge me. Cause like we work together. Basically yeah. I, I do skate lessons and run the contest there and super sweet people. We actually bought our house from the people that own the skate park. And, um, but I have land, but I don't I don't want to build a ramp because I'm so close to that park. But I started doing a little garden. I got some tomatoes. I actually yeah. – the first – I grew a tomato, and I, I ate it. Like it's the first time I ever grew food and just ate it. Like it's like common sense. <laughs> Pretty rad, right? Yeah, it's funny to me because they say money don't grow on trees, but like I pay money for food. And now if I grow tomatoes, I don't have to pay money for sure. it. pay for for your seeds at one time right yeah actually it was given to me it was the lady i work with gave me some tomato plants and now even better yeah exactly crazy right community hooked it up um but yeah i started doing a garden with my yard because i have like a half an acre between the front and the back and uh my dogs love it it's like they get to roam around but i just like i want to try to do something with my yard and i didn't want to do a ramp i made a little fire pit it's kind of janky i got to redo it yeah. But then I was like, I'm going to try a garden. So I've been doing that, trying that. 
Yeah. Yeah, for me, it was like, I think I just wanted to get the ramp because uh, most of my skating, you know, it's like I drive far to, to, you know, to get my sessions in. So it was like, if I could get a ramp in the yard, I wouldn't have to drive so far all the time just to skate, you know, because I'm in Philly like two nights a week to skate down there. Yeah. And, you know, and it's, we have the, the bowl, you know, we split a, a, a the lease on a, on a warehouse space there with a big bowl in it. Wait, you do? Um, yeah. In so, Philly? What's that? In Philly? Yeah. Do you have it's a name for it? It's the, uh, some people call it the Philly Bowl, some people call it this, um, Alter Street, um, if you, on Instagram, it's, it's Alter, I think it's Alter Street. Damn, alright. But, Philly Bowl, Philly Warehouse, Alter Street, I think it's Alter Street on Instagram. How like, many people, how many people are doing this? Who, who's kicking? Um, on the lease, uh, guys, maybe like 20, 30 guys on the lease, I guess. What, sick, so then it's just everyone kicks in? Yeah, yeah. Every month you, you you know you pay your pay your bill, pay your your share of the lease, and you have a key, and you can split the key. I think um, Scott, who's the guy who put it all together, uh, Scott Kemick, he's the one who like secured the lease on the space and everything, and that's going back almost ten years now. Wow, it's been a long time. Holy shit! Um, so he's the one who who started it up, and and he, you know he's he basically allows people to split a key three ways. So like you can you know. It's a little over a hundred bucks for a key. You can split it three ways with your your buddies and share one key. You know that's the catch. You can't copy the key. So like that's fair. It's one key for three guys. It's really on one key. So they have to make arrangements between the three of them to like. There's got to be communication key. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So um, you know, so, but it's 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 rad. It's a private space, and that's one of the reasons I like it is because, you know, I, I'm you know I have responsibilities stuff I have to do at the house and everything so like I can only get out to skate on weeknights at certain times so like I usually am home you know on the nights that I skate until like six or seven and then I'll roll down there so by the time I get to Philly it's almost always dark you know and like I'm not going to be I'm not going to make it to to FDR before it gets dark you know so um so the bowl comes you know in handy for me it's like I always know I can skate you know it's it's indoors like I'm out of the weather and you know, it might be hot in there in the summer and cold in the winter, but, like, it's dry, you know. And, yeah. And it's a bowl, and it's rad, and, you know, it's fun. Um, so, like, yeah, I, I go there two, usually Tuesdays and Thursday nights I'm out there. And uh, I've gotten used to it, but, you know, if I could, you know, I've gotten used to driving down there to do it. Um, How far is the commute? It's about 45 minutes. Yeah, South Philly. Like I can make it to North Philly in like thirty minutes, but like there, it's like forty five. I'm such an old dude right now. I'm talking about my drive. It's <laughs> <laughs> such like an old thing to do, Shetler. Um, yeah, I, I was interested. I, I don't know what you're like. I'm there in twenty. You know, like I don't but, know what's yeah, first, it, whether you were saying it or how interested I was in it. I was like, <laughs> aging it out, thinking gas pricing and like. <laughs> yo, you know what? It's, you know what's crazy is like you know um, there's there's another rad private bowl in brooklyn right now it's concrete that this this guy rob just put together um i actually just got a um a photo in in low card the new low card damn sick low card's awesome that must be cool as fun low card uh number 55 i think if you check it out there's a i got a two-page spread um skating this brand new concrete bowl in brooklyn that this guy rob nordstrom put together and um so like i started i started going out there and that's like about an hour drive but dude, it's so expensive. It's not even about the time; it's how much money it costs. Like what to skate it? To no to drive to New York. Oh yeah, yeah, shit's fucking expensive. Have you seen like Have you seen how expensive? Like I remember like going for five borough shit. Like back then, I would drive in like 
you know, and, like, I'd pay, like, four bucks for, like, the Turnpike and then, like, maybe, like, another, I don't know, six six bucks for, like, the Holland Tunnel, you know? Like, yeah. You're not now, Shetler. bucks getting in, <laughs> when I, Dude, when I drive to Brooklyn now, it's 30 bucks just for the two bridges. It's, four, it's $14 to take the um, Gothels Bridge and then 16 to take Veranzano on the way back. That's $30 just in bridges. So then, you know, between that, the Turnpike and the gas, I'm like... Dude, I can't do Brooklyn all the time. It's just too expensive. It's yeah. not even about the length of time. It's just like how much money it is, you know? Yeah, that's ridiculous. It's crazy. Yeah, that's whoever's got that deal going and they're collecting that cash. Good for them, fuckers. <laughs> Dude, and you know what? Like, it's that. You know, I, I try. You know, I'm the kind of person I think like, all right, you know, if that money is like actually being used for something that like it's doing good, like fine. But it, you know, it's not. Yeah, that, yeah. that money is not going where it's supposed to go. So it, it, it stings. It stings a little bit, you know. I got a question. all I want to do, and all I want to do is skate the bowl, you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I got a question. This is way off su- subject, but I'm just curious. Go for it. It's seeing that you're 42, right? Yeah. And you've you've done what you've wanted on a skateboard. You got a family. Uh, you feel good. I'm thinking you sound like a happy person. How do you feel? Are you optimistic, pessimistic, pessimistic, pessimistic? I can't even say it right now about your future. You have a kid. Like, how do you feel about moving forward? And like, are you are you optimistic? I you know generally I am. You know like I, I'm the kind of person like I think. Um, you know, even when things are tough, like even when things are bad, like I, I, I'm a kind of person I always kind of think that like there's a way out of every situation. You know, there's a way to like correct it and make it work. You know, so like when something's bad, like I always feel like all right, you, you know, we we can figure this out. You know, we can do something to make it work. So like, I, I think I think I'm generally, you know, it, it's hard. Like I don't know. I think it's sometimes that's better to ask somebody else. Like somebody else will know has a better perspective on whether or not you truly are an optimist or pessimist. I feel like generally I am yes. an optimistic person. So how do you feel about the future of everything? Cause you know, we went through a recession and like, you know, everything's so uncertain right now. You know, I, it's a society. I, it's really tough to say like some, I have days, you know, I, I think I, yeah, I, I go back and forth with that, man. Like, there definitely are days where I think, like, you know, everything is dangling by a thread. And, like, you know, um, it does seem like there's a, just a – there is, like – there's a delicate balance that, that you know, yeah. I don't even know all of the inner workings of, of how it's – you know, why it's even staying balanced or why things haven't tipped over the edge and just gone completely to shit, you know? Like, yeah. and, and, you know, and sometimes you hear people talk and, you know, who seem like they do know and, and – maybe they're not quite as optimistic as, as I might be. And, you, and then it, it'll rattle your cage a little bit and you'll think like, well, maybe things are going to go pretty bad, like, you know, and, and, and not too distant future. And I do think about that, you know, of course, you know, you have a daughter, you know, you have kids like for my daughter, I think like, what's this world going to be like for her when she gets older? What's she going to be inheriting? And, um, yeah, that's a know, huge thing about having kids, man. I think of that all the time, man. Yeah. And, and, and I think, you know, for me, a lot of it is, I just hope that, there are more kids like her that um, that continue to stay interested and 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 caring, you know, about things, you know, just about everything, you know, like just just being tuned into your, you know, what makes you a human being and caring about the future and and 
and and the people around you. And and I always teach her, you know, we're not re- we are not religious, you know. And that's so that's when that's something you have to think about when you have kids. Like, how are you going to approach that? You know, how are you going to talk to your kids about things like that? And you know, uh, the importance I think is you know, and that we, what we've tried to impress upon her is you know just do good, be good, be a good person. You know, that's that's what's important. And so. I think as long as we have kids who are growing up with, you know, that kind of, um, you know, that kind of approach to life, you know, and and um, just being considerate of other people and, and, you know, you just hope that the rest works itself out. Like it's, you know, things that are so big that you don't have control over, like the economy and, you know, and, and, and the Middle East, it's just like, you know. It's hard to talk to a nine-year-old, you know, about those things and, you know, and, and put it in perspective for them, you know. And so you, you kind of just – you focus on the things that you can control and, and you hope that the rest is going to work out okay. But honestly, I don't know, Shetler. Like it's it's hard to say sometimes. I am still an optimist. Like I try to stay that way. There are definitely are days when like I hear things and I'm just like, what the fuck? Like okay. what's going to happen? How, how are things going to be in 10 years, you know? Yeah. But, um, you know – I think if you spend too much time just like, you know, being a pessimist and, and thinking the worst, like, um, you know, what what does how, you know what does that make your life experience? You know, how does that affect you? And like, are you really, you know, I, I tend to I want to be a happy person. You know, I don't want to like I don't want to dwell in you know in sadness and just be uh you know, I don't want to let it, uh, you know, I don't want to get crushed under the wheel. You know, yeah. of, of depression. You know, and and. I think it's it's hard sometimes, like, you know, some people are affected by, you know, the state of the world, current events and things that happen, and I think that does kind of, like, affect people in that way, and it, yeah. you know. I, I'm, I mean, our kid, the kids are the future, because, like, if they have adults that in, do uh, leave an impression on them, that's a positive one about experiencing their surroundings and being happy and clever and and thoughtful and uh, want to explore and like enjoy the world you know what yeah. i mean that that's right because those are that's the next generation that'll be the future you know it's like we just need more of us to find that that inner peace and that happiness and that like um you know because what i've learned is that if you're pessimistic and you're angry and you always like that becomes your reality you know sure like I noticed if you're nervous and you're stressing, you tend to fuck up more because you're stressed out and you're nervous. So, I mean, you just don't – you can't say for sure what's going to happen, but you're, the way you approach certain things, you control that, you know? So, I don't know. Every time something bad goes down, I just try to, like, focus, be the leader, like, make sure everything's safe, like, do whatever I can do, you know? In the meantime, I can't stress about these things. It's like if you just stress, you're not going to build a beautiful future. I've seen it right. too much, you know? Yeah. So I'm with you, dude. I, I think, yeah, that's awesome. I think the more you know yourself, the more you'll know other people. You'll be able to recognize all that. And then if we can communicate more, then that's beautiful too because then we can express ourselves through our words and our art and all that stuff. And I, I'm optimistic about the future, but I'm definitely – there's some things out there like you're saying that make me fucking nervous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, fuck yeah, Gadotti. This is amazing. I'm so glad. Dude, we haven't really talked in years and – I was a whole nother person, and you, I'm sure you were too, when we really hung out last. So this is yeah, fucking awesome, man. It's been it's been a, a long time for sure, you know, a real long time. You know, Fibro days were like, you know, already like so long ago for me, and I was like uh, the 2001, 2002. So it's like yeah. you know, 12, 13 years ago, like since since I've had any Fibro, and you know, 
even before that when uh when 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 you came on board you know a couple years before that right so that's going back to uh Deep. 2000 you know 99 2000 hell yeah that's all awesome. i mean but you know like i it, it's funny because one of my earliest memories i think of of skating with you uh five row stuff was when we did that trip up to um do you remember when we did the the um the New Hampshire trip when uh, when Rye Airfield was brand new. Yes, yes, yes. Remember that? And we got to stay in that little house next door. Yes. <laughs> that was a cool trip, man. That was a cool mission. And I remember, like, I, all you guys were there, and like Westgate was there, and it was, uh, um, it was, it was you sh- that that got that kid Seamus. Yes. Um, yes. It was a big crew. I remember it was a big crew. Wibus, and it was like Ryan Wybus was probably there. Yeah, it was a big crew. That place uh, was amazing. Uh, what's his face was there too. Um. Poisonton? I'm thinking of, um, come on. Ty? Remember Ty Feaster? I haven't heard I remember Ty. It's been a long time. Uh, god damn it. Young kid, um, left, he ended up, like, quitting skating for a while and just came back recently. Uh, oh, really? Oh, come on, from man. East Coast? Where's he from? We got it. Up near up near you. We got it. We got it. Damn, someone... Nick Dompierre? Nick Dompierre! Yes! I was going to say Nick. I was going to say Nick. I couldn't remember his last name for a second. I, I was, like, blanking for some stupid reason. <laughs> I have pictures from that trip. Yeah, um, Nick. Like, actual, like, like photographs. Like, like the prints. And it, I have prints of, like... Like, Nick's, like, a little kid. Like, in the van... I think we stopped at like a like a Fridays or something like one of those many many times where we stopped and like you know Nardelli and Steve were like harassing the the servers and stuff you they know would, and like, they would tell the servers it's Susky's birthday so they'd bring out the cake for Susky <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah and then like and then like Steve would get his hamburger and he'd be like this he'd be like this fucking hamburger is not cooked right I feel like throwing it at that waitress <laughs> and like you know so I but I have pictures from that trip and it's like everybody's like kid little kids um. I'm trying to think if you're in any of the pictures, but, like, yeah, it was just funny because, like, Nick Dompierre is in some of those pictures, and he looks like a little tiny – like, he's, like, dude, a baby. You've seen dude, him, you've seen him recently, right? He's so shredded now. Yeah. I just uh, – I had I had lunch with him yesterday because um, he's going to come on my, my show that I'm producing. I call it a reality webisode, but all I need life, AI and life. And uh, he's going to come on and show his, like, workout routine and talk about his diet because he's, like, a um, – He's like a fitness professional. I don't know what the word is. Like, he helps like, you with their fitness, basically. Yeah, like a trainer. Trainer, personal trainer. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so he's gonna come on the podcast and break it all. Uh, not the podcast. He's gonna come on the reality show and break it all down. And we're gonna film him lifting weights and like. But he is like fucking so cut. Like I was talking to him yesterday about everything and like <laughs> I was like, show me your abs, <laughs> and he showed me the abs, and it's like a model. I was like, yeah, like tw- like twenty like a twenty pack. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, tell tell him when you see him. I have pictures when he was baby flow trash. Yeah, we used to call him the fat midget when he was little because he was so little and he was kind of pudgy. And you probably you like when he was flow trash, and now he's like a fucking thoroughbred racehorse. And he's yep. just like like you could grade parmesan on his abs you know, easily. Yeah, and he was he was the original flow trash. So yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. I remember just him and Westgate. Sunflower seeds, just eating them in the van and just knowing they'll clean it up, you know? Yeah. That's <laughs> such a dick thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Right. Well, fuck yeah, Gadotti. Thank you for coming on the show, dude. Dude, it was my pleasure, man. Hell yeah. And if anyone wants to check out um, your skating, 
Is it yes. Instagram? You know, yeah, I, I haven't been doing I, – I, I still do it. You know, I try – like, it's funny because the way I started with the Instagram, it was um, – the one thing we didn't talk about was actually when I got sick. I got Lyme disease up in New England a few years back. Well, then we're still, not – we got to talk about that. Lyme disease is gnarly, huh? It, like, aches your bones? Oh, dude, I, I went through a time with it where it was really bad. It was actually my second time getting it that knocked me out. I, I got it when I was in my 20s skating at some little DIY spot that we had in my town, and it was like – it was in a cul-de-sac that went near the woods. And, like, so I got bit when I was in my 20s on my leg, and um, and I got, like, the big rash, the bullseye rash, you know? Yeah, I've seen that. So I went to um, – so I went to the doctor – um, then when I got it the first time, the doctor knew what it was right away. He was like, oh, that's that's Lyme disease. Like, you know, we got to put you on antibiotics for a month. And so I did that, and it was fine. Like, caught it early enough that, like, never had any problems with it. So it wasn't until summer of 2011 I went – I was up in your neck of the woods. Um, and we went – let's see. We went through Connecticut, Massachusetts, um, Vermont. And they were they were like the – the main spots we were i think i pretty much figured out where i got it this last time um is it all back. from ticks it's from ticks so like this 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 last time i got it um i came back from this trip this camp you know skate camping tour that we did up in new england and um you know i had like a couple weeks where like after i got back where i just wasn't feeling great like little things here and there like i felt like like i had a cold then like then you know um, I remember we were out at a party. Me and my wife were out at this party, and like all of a sudden, I got a, I got a, like a, a, a headache that felt like somebody was like it was a drill in my head, and I got nauseous at the same time. Like I felt like I was gonna throw up. And it, you know, I'm usually good with dealing with pain. You know, so I was like, I can usually ride shit out and be okay. Yeah, so that, this, definitely. I was at this party, and I was like in so much pain that like I pulled my wife aside, and I was like, we gotta go. I, I can't. I just can't deal with this anymore. Like it was that bad. So. Uh, so we left and by the time we got home like it started to ease up a little bit i would start feeling a little bit better right yeah. um you know so i kind of like I, I took a bunch of uh i took a bunch of advil drank a lot of water woke up the next day and i wasn't feeling so bad so i kind of like i wrote it off i was like ah, oh, you know it must have been something I, I i did like i drank or ate or something or whatever then like the next thing was like maybe you know a week later like I got a pain in, deep in my knee that was like no kind of skateboarding pain that I ever had before it was like deep in the joint you know yeah. like where when I w went up and down steps like it just felt like it was an ache in there that like I you know I'd never felt it before so like you think you, you hurt know, it did you think it was a knee injury like a I, you know what I thought Shetler I thought like oh I guess I'm just getting old you know like <laughs> my, my knee, you know my knee's going bad you know I when you start for, thinking like that that's when you end up old man <laughs> well you know and like here's the thing like I had you know I, I had no idea like I didn't know like that I had gotten bitten by a tick so like I, I really didn't know what was going on and then so that happened and then like now we go like a month out from when I was on that trip and I'm skating at that that little park near my work on a, a lunch hour and it's really hot this one day like you know the east coast like 95 degrees you know 100% humidity you're just sweating like as soon as you step on your board you, you know feel like, like you're drowning you yeah you can't breathe at all okay. you know so I'm like but I wanted to skate so I start skating and all of a sudden like you know my knee is killing me like with that pain and then I start getting dizzy and then like, and then all of a sudden, like, I feel like I'm like 
plugged into a, an electrical socket like all over my body my whole body starts like tingling like i'm like like i'm being shocked and i'm like like my hairs are standing up on end you know and i'm like what the fuck is this this is so bizarre <laughs> so like i have all this weird shit and i'm dizzy and like i'm like feeling dizzy like and and i i'm i don't know what's from so You're like fucking dehydrated too <laughs> i thought that you know i thought like all right maybe i didn't drink enough maybe i didn't eat enough today or something so i sat down in the shade for a little bit and then like i tried to skate again and same thing just wasn't working it was just like bad so i went back to my office that day and like i remember i walked into my office and i'm feeling like dizzy like all woozy and my skin feels all crazy and my knee is hurting and i'm just like all right, something's up. I got to go to the doctor. Yeah. So I, went, I, I went, dude, this is crazy. I went to my doctor. I tell everything to my doctor. My doctor is like, I don't know what that is. Like, that doesn't make sense. Like, because my, my doctor, she, it was a woman and she was Worst like, you know. Worst thing you want to hear. Worst thing you want to hear. Yeah. She's like, it's so many different systems being affected. She's like, that, I, that doesn't add up like it doesn't make sense so i'm like <laughs> you're on fire Gadotti. <laughs> so, so i'm the one i threw out to her i was like listen i was like you know about a month ago i was like i've had lyme disease before and about a month ago i was on a, t- a trip like camping like all through new england i was like should we maybe try like testing for lyme disease and like she was like there you go let's hey, try that and i'm you're like you're a fucking doctor you do <laughs> so so she te- she tests for Lyme disease, and sure enough, it you know lit up like a Christmas tree. I had Lyme disease. So what like, do you do? What do you do about Lyme disease? All right, so you, it's it's antibiotics, right? Like okay. it's it is a bacteria, so it's a bacterial infection. But the problem with it is it's so fucking sinister that like this bacteria, the kind of bacteria it is, the longer you have it, the more deeply it embeds itself. It invades like tissue, like deep into your tissue. So it goes into muscle. It goes into your tendons. Um, it actually will go into – it will invade your um, – uh, your um, what's it called? Balls. Don't say my balls. Don't say <laughs> my balls. I don't know if it would go there. That's a, that's a, that, maybe it would go to your balls, but I don't, I don't know about that one. <laughs> but it will go to your heart. It will go to your heart, dude, and it will go into your uh, central nervous system, which yeah. is bad because your central nervous system has its own circulatory system, right? And once it breaks that barrier and gets into that circulatory system – then it's a whole different kind of treatment. It's a whole different ballgame. And that's where the dizziness and all that was coming from. It got into my central nervous system. So they call that um, – that's that's basically like, you know – Stage that's, two. That's, that's actually – that is stage two, yeah, when you get to yeah. that point. Um, it's so you're, you're – you know, then it, it, the treatment becomes a little bit more aggressive. But my doctor, like, you know – she was like she didn't know how to deal with it you know like she didn't even know what it was (laughs) so she just gave me like she's basically looking on her computer and it tells her like the seat you know the centers for disease control like they have like a guideline that they put on there like for doctors to follow for how to treat it so she gave basically gave me like i don't know it was like two or three weeks worth of uh of doxycycline she's like here take this and and it'll be gone right (laughs) dr google she's dr google she's looking it up that's exactly what it was it it felt exactly like that so so i i leave there and i'm like all right well cool at least i have like you know i got something you know to, to to try and get rid of this like i figure i'm on the right track so i start taking it and um you know i started to feel a little bit worse but then i started to feel a little bit better by the end um, but then like, it was only like, I don't know, I want to say like a few days after I f- took the last pill that all those symptoms that I was feeling, like they, they started to creep back up again. Okay. Like I started feeling them all over again, like they were all coming back. And so I went back to her again and I was like, didn't, 
didn't take. Didn't try, work. Try fucking a different search engine. Google's not. So she, that's, she goes back on the computer again. She's like, okay. She's like, she's like, it's you know, basically now we have to do, do a second round of a different antibiotic, right? So she gives me a different <laughs> antibiotic, and this time, I, you know, I don't remember if it was shorter or longer, but I remember same thing. I took it, and then like. A week or two later, after I took the last pill, like all the symptoms coming back again. Dude, so I this called her. Reminds me of vertigo. I had vertigo, and it's the same fucking thing, dude. Doctor Google, Doctor Bing, Doctor whatever search engine could not figure it out, and it would come back just like that. Was it was your ears? Did you did you ever figure it out or? Yeah, it was like a back uh, a viral infection in my ear, probably from San Francisco. How how long were you dealing with it? Dude, six months of my life. Yeah. It lingered because it kept like just like you, I would try these things. I tried um the the pins in the skin. What is that um? Fuck now I'm drunk. Acupuncture. Acupuncture. I tried that and that would help temporarily. Temporarily. But it would come back, right? It would come back again. I start getting a headache. My eyes would ache and like I just wanted to lay down all day. How'd you eventually knock it up? Weed, marijuana. No shit, really. The drug, yeah, because I, I didn't smoke marijuana for a long time. I tried it when I was little and abused it, and I had mental issues. I did. It wasn't a good thing. Fucking didn't smoke it for like twenty years because I was cheap and I saved my money and I wanted to like start my own company one day and whatever. But uh, and uh, then when I got vertigo, I was like twenty seven, twenty eight, and uh, dude, I just suffered for six months. First two weeks, couldn't walk, couldn't sit up without throwing up. My friend. Wow. Yeah, my friend had to carry me to the to the toilet and like all the shit, feed me basically. And then um, after two weeks, I could fly home from California. I got home, and then it just lingered for six months. And then my friend, did you know, did they ever tell? Like, did you ever find out like what kind of virus it was? Like, do you know that? Or is... no, no, no. It's like they didn't even know. They're like, it was just like you did the same thing. So what what did you do? Well, my friend was like, smoke, all right. So basically, the pussy and... after I did that. After I did that second round and it didn't work, I, I, you know, I called the doc back up and was like, again, you know, same shit, like it didn't work. And she was like, well, you know, she's like, at this point, like, I'm going to have to refer you to an infectious disease uh, doctor because, uh, you know, this is beyond my scope of, of expertise here. So, like, the hole gets deeper, dude. What yeah. So so she sends me off to this infectious disease doctor, you know, and uh, <laughs> that sounds so, bad. So I go to this I go to this infectious disease doctor and um and it was crazy because, like, I basically went in there thinking, like, all right, you know, they're just gonna, it's just going to be some crazy, aggressive form of treatment, you know, and it's just going to be, like... We're going to take all your blood out of your body. Something. I thought it would just be something gnarly, you know, and, like, I get it. But instead, I get in there, and she, you know, she, she talks to me for, you know, about 10, 15 minutes, and then she says to me, she's like, well, I have good news and bad news. And she's like, the good news is you don't have Lyme disease. She's like... The bad news is I'm not sure what you have, but it, it could be any number of things. And I'm like, okay, such as. And she's like, she throws out all these things like, you know, uh, uh, like multiple sclerosis and, oh. you know, um, ALS, uh, fi fibromyalgia. Like she didn't say ALS. That's pretty, that, that's, that's a pretty rough one. And I think that's, you know, kind of rare. But like, yeah. you know, all, she basically was throwing out all these things. I was just like, that doesn't make sense for me, though, because. I have no history of anything like that, you know, and usually like those, those are, are, are symptoms of, or, or syndromes that, you know, usually you have a history of events leading up to that, you know, even if it's like 
not quite as often, you know, yeah. they show themselves in some way or another, usually in your younger years. Mm-hmm. I've, I had no history of any of that stuff. It was like, I was perfectly fine. I went on a camping trip in New England. I came back. I was fucked up. So like, to me, like, I'm sorry, that's a pretty cut and dry case. And I tested positive. The blood test tested positive for Lyme disease. So her thing was basically you had adequate treatment. Therefore it can no longer be Lyme disease. And that is where you get into the political side of Lyme disease and it's a very I found out the hard way it's a very controversial disease and it's very difficult to get wait proper how, treatment wait so how so though like Here, here's what it is Shetler and my dude my eyes were opened up to this and it was like it was it was an eye-opener for me basically made me realize that you cannot put faith in our, our Western medicine because up until that point, I pretty much believed that, all right, you have a sickness, you know what it is, you go to the doctor, they do what they need to do, you get better, right? Yeah. Um, this changed all that for me. It was, and it was because, you know, um, there definitely are some, some, you know, some things that are involved, like, you know, uh, political aspects to it that make it controversial because there's, it, there's money involved. So, yeah. you know, Lyme disease is difficult to treat. It's an, it, it can be once you get it to the point where I have it. It can be an extended treatment. Insurance companies do not want to pay out for, you know, the, the, the treatments because they're, they're often open-ended treatments. In other words, it's not a treatment that, you know, um, you're going to take antibiotics for three months and then you know you're done. It's based on the individual, how the Lyme disease has affected their bodies, where it has gone in their systems, you know, like. So some people can be like in my case, I was on antibiotics for almost uh, for two what two and a half years. Oh, um, really? So yeah, it was a long time. So, um, but I the only way I could get that treatment was I had to go to um, they call them Lyme literate doctors, um, LLMDs. So there are Lyme, a number wait, of sorry Lyme literate Lyme literate doctors. Yeah, they they basically take special courses. They they have special training from doctors who have been studying the disease since, you know, since back when it was discovered in like night, late seventies, early eighties, you know? Um, so there's like this whole body of science that like has, you know, uh, basically been establishing, you know, what is, uh, an appropriate treatment for the disease. And then there's a whole other side of it, the centers for disease control that basically contradict them and say that, you know, it's, very easy to treat and hard to get and you know they don't then it's because they are they have they have special interests involved with the cdc there are people in there who have like who are protecting money interests from insurance companies so it's it it is that crooked it's it really is that that scary that like there's money involved that is basically like swaying whether they fucking help you or not basically exactly and if and if i went by them like seriously like who knows what kind of condition I'd be in. There are people like who have died from Lyme disease because they, they didn't know they never got, you know, adequate treatment. And it's like, you know, it's, it is hard to get. And I've had to pay, you know, for some stuff out of pocket. It's been expensive. It was expensive. You know, I'm still dealing with after effects from it too, because, uh, at this point, after having taken antibiotics for that long, um, it affected my digestive system to the point where like, um, the other side of it is because, you know, you have good bacteria in your gut, right? Yeah. You need. Well, the antibiotics kill that good bacteria too. So, like, um, you can't really replace that that good bacteria enough. So, um, 
what ends up happening is you get um, it's called candida. It's like yeast, basically. It's it's able to you always have that in your system. This yeast, you know, this candida, like, um, but your good bacteria in your gut kind of keeps it at bay, right? Shit. So like, so then you when you wipe out that good bacteria, the the yeast is like, all right, cool. Now we can take over. So it kind of like. It goes all throughout your digestive tract, and then it'll actually poke holes through your intestines and go out into your bloodstream. Yeah, no good. And now it travels to the rest of the body, and you have like a systemic systemic uh, candida infection, which is a fungus. It's not a bacteria. Yeah. So, so now you don't have this good bacteria to keep that at bay. Then you get the effects of that, which is kind of like that was something that that's the after effects that now like I still you have to watch what you eat because um, sugar and carbs feed the the yeast oh uh, yeah that makes sense so what do you do what do you do do you have a special diet where you just have to be careful and i did that for a while which was hard Shetler, it was it was so fucking hard you I can't mean. eat anything dude you can't eat bread you can't eat rice you can't drink alcohol you can't you know you can't drink beer you wow. can't um i love all that yeah you can't even eat fruit because it's sugar like you can't have milk sugar like lactose so you can't have milk yeah. like it's such a limiting diet so i did that for a little while um and, you know, I think it helped, but, like, it was just so hard to maintain that diet that, like, um, moderation is kind of the key. But, like, I still am dealing with the effects of that. Like, I have I have days, like, where I'll be like, you know what, tonight I want to have a beer. I want to have, you know, I want to have a, a scotch, you know, and, like, I'll do it. And then the next day I'll feel drunk for the entire day just because, Whoa. like, you know, from, you know, it, my body can't, I can't handle that, you know. Yeah, like, shut down. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, so, and and when I skate, like, dude, a lot of times when I skate, like, I'm fu- I'm dizzy, you know, it's hard. Do, like, you, ever, do you ever smoke? Weed? Um, it, I know. Sorry, it, I'm fighting against that. You ever smoke weed? I haven't in like it's been years, man. Like a long time, dude. Probably really? the same as you. It's been like you know, like last time maybe like, God, ten, ten, eleven years ago maybe. Yeah, well, I I would try it again, dude. You never know the symptoms. It might help, dude. It helped me with vertigo. I'm telling you, like, everything bothered me. I couldn't have any stimulants or anything, and I was just miserable. Like, life was, like, dull for six months. Like, I couldn't – I just – I just felt tired and exhausted and a headache and my eyes hurt. And I, my girl would get so mad at me because I'd be like, turn the lights off, turn the lights off. Any room we were in, no matter what time of the day, I just wanted it darker. And uh, I don't know. Smoking weed helped. <laughs> I'm no doctor. Not <laughs> you could Google it, but I would get tested for Lyme disease. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, we could find out, but I don't know. I would say, and you know, the world's changing, so it's not such a taboo thing anymore. So right, right. So maybe try it out. You never know. It, it might help. <laughs> you know what, Shetler? Uh, you know, it's that that might be something I would entertain. You know, um, it's funny because like I, it's weird, like that's counterintuitive to what I would think would help because I would think like it would just kind of like cloud me even not cloud me but like make me feel even more dizzy but I don't know no well what like how I look at marijuana and how I use it is like it's a stimulant it's almost like a coffee so it heightens my senses and it heightens everything that I am you know and now that I'm older like when I was younger that scared me because like I didn't know who I was and I had issues so when I get high it would heighten everything that I was and I was a confused angry little kid you know so you, you don't want that kid with his heightened senses of smell and touch and sound and light and all that shit. But now that I'm older, it's like I know who I am. I know how I feel. And it just heightens everything. It like It's like drinking a cup of coffee, basically. You know what I mean? It's not 
it's and it's not addictive and it's fucking it's oh dude i'm all i'm all for it i mean yeah. you know especially even compared to like you know you know between that and drinking alcohol i i said oh. you know it's definitely not as you know you're not poisoning your body like with alcohol yeah. it's like literally hurting you it's a downer it's like it can and moderation's fine but i'm i'm not condoning any you know but it's all a drug coffee that's what i was going to ask you earlier do you drink coffee i i do a morning cup yeah yeah definitely. me too me too you know like i, I I used to like do more, you know, but now I kind of curb that. It's like, Black? you know, that's one of the things I think, you know, getting into my forties, I kind of realized like I am like, I'm that old guy now that's more sensitive to caffeine. So if I drink a cup in the afternoon, I'll, I'll fucking be up all night, you know? So <laughs> I'm the same way with weed, dude. I smoke weed and I'll be up to like five in the morning, like Googling fucking words and like <laughs> definitions and just getting lost down rabbit holes. <laughs> my girl like did you eat yeah, and i have a, <laughs> i have enough i have enough late nights like skating when i go to philly that like you know i probably couldn't handle too many more late nights without getting enough sleep so i yeah. mean i go to work sometimes i'm i need that morning cup of coffee i'm, I'm a zombie you know yeah it's me cool. too i do you drink it black um i used to i lately i haven't been you know i guess uh i don't know it's one of those things i go in cycles with that too you know i'll do black coffee for a while and then for a little while i'll put some cream in it and then Eventually, I'll be like, nah, I want to go back to black coffee. And yeah. So, <laughs> so I go back and forth. I'm the same way, dude. Yeah. Well, cool, man. I'm going to wrap it up. This is fucking awesome. We're going to yeah. have to do it again. We'll give some time. We'll let some time pass. We'll go out. We'll venture out into the world, whatever happens. You got kids, so you'll have tons of stuff to talk about. You have a kid. And then we'll come back and we'll do it again. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I still see I still, you know, all the stuff on Instagram. I follow you on there. So, you know, it's like still get to see you skating and stuff, too. So, yeah, I like your Instagram. That's what I was going to say earlier, actually, while I remembered is I love that you're still filming and putting stuff out there because, dude, it gets me so hyped. It's just I don't know, like skateboarding shouldn't have an age and you shouldn't turn into an adult like you should just keep doing what you love at whatever age. And, and that, yeah, you know what, dude, that's exactly why I brought it up, because the Lyme disease thing. The, um, that was part of me getting better was going to that skate park on my lunch break and oh, shooting, shooting those videos actually Shetler that's what I wanted to say shooting those videos was documentation it started out as me documenting me trying to get better skating from like after I was getting better from Lyme disease yes. so the first videos like that I really started doing it was basically like the photos and the videos were me basically documenting like this is where I'm at right now. Trying to trying to climb back up the ladder, like fucking getting better and being able to skate again. Yeah. So like now it's weird. It's like you know what, uh, four four or five years out from it, I guess three four five years somewhere around there. Like, and that's it's just a continuation of that. So like you know like every once in a while I kind of dial it back. I'm like all right, I I, I put like. I put four videos up this week and it's all the same shit. So I'm like, I'm going to dial it back and I won't do any for a little while, you know, cause it's like, it's not really me documenting, like getting better from the Lyme disease anymore. Now it's just kind of like, you know, it's just too much me. So I'll, I'll <laughs> get off there and then like, you know, and then I'll come back to it. But that's basically, that's how it started, dude. That's how those Instagram photos and videos began. It was just that's me bad. like trying to get better from Lyme disease and just put it, put it out there and show like, this is, this is like a chronology of me. And you can see it, dude, like the beginning, like to now, like the difference in like what I was doing then to now it's like it's night and day dude yeah that's cool to have a pro like a track to a, a progression to kind of see and capture well now just keep putting them out because I like watching them so you got to share your end you got to share with us so I can you know what I will dude and it, it, it I, that's one of the things I like about it you know like 
it's bringing guys like you who I don't get to see all the time. It's bringing you to my session in a way. Yeah. Like it's it sounds cheesy, but that's kind of what it is, dude. You know, like I, I'm not putting it out there to try to say like I'm you know um, this rad guy watch me skate. It's not about putting a spotlight on me. Like I know very well my place in skateboarding. There are so there's so much amazing skateboarding out there. So it's not about that. It really is just like it's my way of kind of like paying homage to the things that I like in skating and then bringing yes. guys like you who I never get to see like to my session, you know, so. Dude, I love that so much. Um, I totally agree with that, too, because I don't know. It's just rad to share those moments, you know, like whatever. Like I try to do at least like film like one good trick a week, like for Instagram, where I'm like, this is something I work towards. I built up, you know, like yeah. it might not be my hardest trick I've ever done, but it's something new that I'm doing or something different or I like the way this was done. And like, I don't know. I think if we share that more then like people will fall in love with skating, like even people that don't skate and it'll just, it's infectious when you see someone work hard at something and put their blood, sweat and tears and joy and happiness. And then they get, you get capture that moment and you get to share it. Like, I don't know. That's like part of not getting old. You don't want to get old and stuffy where you forget to share and like still be youthful and play and nonsense, just have nonsense in your life. And yeah, skateboarding is that nonsense. That's, you know, that's what Steve Rodriguez used to say. He was like, He's like, it's fun. He'd say, he'd be like, you know how Steve talks. He's like, Gadotti, it's so funny. Because, like, you know, he's like, if you think about it, like, skateboarding, all it is, it's just like, we're just like old guys who, like, who still play. It's like, we go out to play, you know? And I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, that's, but that's, you know what? That's, that's not, like, a bad thing. No way. That's, like, a good bet for the rest of their lives. You know? Yeah. And, and, and who was it? It was Lance Mal I think it was Lance Mallon said, like, you know, skateboarding is, uh, is about trying to stay in as immature as you can for the rest of your life, you know, and that's what it is. You know, it's like you're going to be, you know, you're going to be a good person and you're going to try to stay like a kid for as long as you can and not lose that that spark, you know, that that gleam in your eye, you know, that just sees the world as like a, you know, a place to have fun, you know, and do things that, you know, make you happy. You know, skateboarding does that, you know, it's like that's, you know, now that I i'm older and i get to do it the way i want to do it and i'm learning i'm still learning tricks like yes still connect with it in that way it still makes me happy like that it makes it so that like when i go to the skate park on my lunch hour and i and like you know whether i learn a trick or not it just feels good and like you know i do a backside air and i land it and i'm like that felt fucking awesome like i, I it just it's worth it to me you know like so stay a kid you know stay like immature and and go out and play, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, and I love I love it, too, because, I mean, it's an art form. It's, it's expression at its finest, and it's it's for anybody, and I love that. It's like, it doesn't matter who you are. But I love, because, like, you see in America, we had, like, this obesity problem. I don't know where we're at with it now, but <laughs> there's a lot of big people in America because, you know, people living high off the hog or have mental orders, and they got eating problems, and, like, we have enough that you can have eating problems. It's not like we're Ethiopia or something. I don't even, oh, right, yeah. Yeah, I don't even know if you... But that always gets associated with skinny people. But, like, so, I mean, I think a start to getting away from being unhealthy and is doing something active and getting your heart beating every day. That's, like, that like in sweating. In <laughs> sweating, yeah. your adrenaline going a little bit. Like, that's feeling alive, and that's, like... Sure, for sure. And, and, you know, and I think it's awesome. Like, you know, there's still, like kids you know kids older guys like who you know every once in a while they'll say to me like oh, i like watching your shit on instagram you know it got me stoked it actually made me want to go out and skate you know and like they don't skate all the time and all of a sudden now they want to go out and skate so it's like 
that's that feels kind of good too. You know, that's cool. You're like feeling that you're sharing the stoke. Stuff. Yeah, that and that to me, that's what it's all about, man. Just be stoked and you know, get other people stoked and have fun and enjoy you know what you're doing. You know, fucking so. nailed it, dude. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, thank you so much, man. Dude, my pleasure, Shelly. It was good to see you. Good to talk to you, man. Hang on, brothers and sisters. Liberation is near. It's almost time.